The Linux Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan and DigitalOcean. Go over to digitalocean.com and use our promo code LASTDIGITAL and then you can spin up your own Linux rig for free. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 406. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Good news, Noah. I finally stopped calling it for Hundy. Coming up in this week's episode, big show. I've got right here in my hot little hands, Entraware's Apollo laptop. It's another take on the ultimate laptop built for Linux users. And this is a pretty tight machine. I'll be honest, I was expecting the Librem 15 in a 13-inch case. And I got something completely different. I'll tell you about this laptop and what I've experimented with it and the results I got from those experiments. Plus, in the news segment, we'll be talking about the big shakeup with Ubuntu and ZFS. Last week, we talked about Ubuntu and ZFS coming together in a kumbaya style. This week, there's a few people chiming in that think the deal probably shouldn't go through. Plus, speaking of deals, Microsoft has bought a big open source company that you may be familiar with. One of the folks who started GNOME worked for them. And then, towards the end of the show, we'll tell you about that parse shutdown and a good deal we got for you guys to get away from that, and some interesting clips that we'll get from the TextNet program covering ZFS and Linux. Plus, we got feedback, but before all of that, Noah, do you know what we got? We got the picks. We do. We have an outrageous picks this week, uh, and uh, I don't really know much about this first one, because I, I, I went off camping this weekend, I closed the dock, I left the run Linux plank, spot blank, and I said, I said to myself, self... You're not allowed to look at this before the show. Let Noah surprise you. So what you got, Noah? That's always that's always a dangerous uh, that's always a dangerous <laughs> thing to do. Um, so, uh, uh, so let me get this pulled up. The okay. pressure is so, on. This better be the best runs Linux ever, Noah. Well, it will you you will appreciate this uh, you know with your whole RV lifestyle. Although maybe not so much now that you have a generator. But hey, man, I uh, like saving gas. It, although it, it sips is, the gas, dude. It's sweet. It is the solar can, or it is soda can solar generator, and essentially, it is a it's a do-it-yourself project um, that is incredibly inexpensive. And basically, it, it, the name kind of sums it up: you make uh, you make a a a, a solar uh, collector out of soda cans. And now, if I'm not mistaken, Noah, uh, solar panels require like a special material to absorb sunlight. How can soda cans absorb sunlight? Aren't they made out of aluminium? Yes. Uh, hmm. here. This seems like... Oh, I see. I see. I see. So they're actually collecting the heat. Yeah. The, okay, okay, yeah. And it's then, a solar it, heat collector, not a solar right. rays collector. But uh -huh. it's, it talks about... Uh, That's pretty oh, cool. Access from Android smartphone, tablet to control and monitor over the internet. Yeah. See what I thought? I thought it was powering that stuff. Um, but, but yeah, so basically all of this is... Hmm. Yeah, there's a video hmm. too. That, where they explain a little I don't know if this is blowing detail. my socks off. I mean, I like the idea what? of reusing my Diet Pepsi with cherry cans because I figure if I'm going to be poisoning my body, I could at least be heating the studio. That's pretty yeah. cool. But unless there's like a nut hooked up to this thing, I'm giving this like a C. Because I mean, sure, oh, you control no. it from a Linux well, device. Look at, look at the video and see if you change your mind. Oh, there's a video? Okay, hold there's on. Now it's going up a step. Where do I find the video? The video is either in the show notes or at the bottom you of the... You animal, it is not in the show notes, is it? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Well, because... Hold on now, no. Hold on. If, if you got me a video, I'm, I'm willing to take this up a notch here. Okay. Yeah. I might be able to improve Maybe Because you never know. Maybe we'll spot some Linux in there. That'll, that'll be your salvation. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. It's just not hyperlinked, because why, why hyperlink, really? Think about it. Okay, let's see what we get here. Let's see. On YouTube. Hmm, I'm not hearing it. Oh, there it goes. Oh, we're getting a drone tour. Actually, it looks pretty well done. 
I like how they put like plexiglass over it. Boy, these guys are like the worst drone pilots ever, Noah. Well, it's probably very windy out that day. Have you ever flown one of those things? Yeah, it's, yeah it's really hard. It's really windy here today, too. Wow, they got their whole roof covered in it. Okay. All right, that's pretty cool. Look at that. I like the idea of taking something that is otherwise kind of garbage for a lot of people and actually using it to, well, essentially live green. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, too, is if you think about it, we have, you know, as far as roofs go, we have this like large space that mm -hmm. is really not used for anything other than oh, keeping yeah. off of the off of the house so you can turn it into something more functional. Do you guys have a lot of solar uh installations and No. Yeah. No, because it's not, you know. We don't get a lot I mean we don't get like an insane amount of sun here, but we get a uh -huh. lot of solar installations. A really? lot. Oh, a lot. A lot. It's very common drive by. In fact, I was surprised when I was driving down to scale. I was keeping an eye out thinking, well, I'm in California. There's going to be lots of solar. I didn't hardly see any solar. Really? Yeah. When you drive through Washington, it's it's pretty common there's, to see roofs covered in solar panels. There's a lot more. Huh. Yeah. We don't, uh, we just, uh, we don't have a lot of solar. I guess that's, it's, it's, you not guys big... got a lot of earth over there. Yeah. Who well, we have a lot of earth, but we also have a lot of people that I don't, I think are just happy to pull it off of the, uh, off of the power grid. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, the soda can solar collector that barely <laughs> runs Linux. <laughs> It's all right. You get a pass. You had a busy week. You get a, We both had a busy week. I, I, you know what? I even know you can't really. Maybe you can kind of see it. So you know, Noah, when you go camping in an RV, uh, mm -hmm. it's rough, man. There's all kinds of hazards out there. Uh huh. I uh, so in this, you know, you got the storage bays along the bottom of the RV, and in my first storage bay, uh -huh. the most important stuff is there. It's anything to make a fire or barbecue mm -hmm. something. Everything that goes in the first storage bay because that's the one I'm gonna have to get into. Right. Hopefully on a near daily basis. Yep. And so I open up the uh, the storage bay and I go to pull out. I got these compressed logs because they're like you know twelve hour logs when you put them all in the right. fire. And it's like we'll just have an all day or you know all day into the evening fire at our campsite. I pull out this thing of logs, Noah, and I go to turn around and I see like gray out of like the side of my eye, and I think, mm -hmm. oh, it's one of the kids that are just you know. When you got kids, they're always like up in your business seeing what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, there's yeah. a kid here. And I go to turn my head, smack myself, boom, right into the slide. Walked right into the slide, side oh. of my face of the RV. Boom, right on this corner. I had to like, I stood back and do like one of those, like, like I'm seeing stars in a cartoon. Like, oh my gosh. So when you say it's, when you say it's the easy life when you're camping in an RV, you could always walk into your slide, apparently. So I, I got like, you can't yeah, quite see it. But I got quite the shiner down the side of my face. It's, I'm all the way over here it's from the camera, so it doesn't really show up. But that, that hurt. Do you, do, you, do you get like that wave of emotion where you get really angry after something like that happens? Sometimes. Really, sometimes. Uh, that happens, and then I realize how silly it is to be so upset of an inanimate object. Like, yeah. <laughs> this time I didn't because it, my, my first instinct was I thought it was a kid there. And so I thought I was like bumping into a kid or something. Then I like it took me like I, I smacked it so hard. It took me like 20 seconds to realize. Not that long, but it felt like 20 seconds to realize what the heck was going on. But I got my stuff together, made it down here in time for the show. Mm -hmm. And that was all right. That was an all right runs Linux I have got something for you that is early in the works. I'm going to surprise okay. you now okay. with a desktop app pick that you might actually be impressed with. Okay. You might actually. I haven't installed it yet. On oh, I guess I did install on this machine. Well, well, the, the scheduling one that we covered a couple weeks ago is, is like it's beginning to change my life. So yeah. So this is. I think that wasn't a couple. I think that was last week. So so I figured if I could do two weeks in a row where I could help you get uh, your workflow uh, okay. under control when you're busy, then I'm 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 two for two. Uh, All right. That should that should entitle me to like some barbecue or or like a free Indian lunch when you're out here. If now, there's any restaurants about, around here that you would actually want to go to. The fake grilling stuff. 
But we're not getting into that in the show okay, again, though. Right, okay, right. okay, we can we can have that discussion when you get out here for Linux Fest. But first, right. I gotta tell you about DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code LastDigital. That's one word, lowercase, to get a ten dollar credit. Then you spin up a rig over DigitalOcean, and I would install Linux. Just a pro tip: try it out. It's this new thing. Been around for. A little while now. Linux. If you use the promo code LASTDIGITAL, you can deploy your own rig two months for free. Check this out. In less than 55 seconds, and starting just at $5 a month, you can get a machine up and running. With a 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, because they all SSDs, y'all! A terabyte of transfer and a blazing fast CPU. And they got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, and Germany. Which is where I believe Noah puts all of his droplets. Right, Noah? Uh, I put most of mine in San Francisco. Really? Even though you're on the East Coast? I'm not on the East Coast. Dude, I'm like smack dab in the middle of the country. There's no... It's, if it's you're on as... the other side of Montana, it's the East Coast. That's all. That's, uh, that's how I feel about it. If, you're, so, if you have to drive across have, man, have Montana ever, to get you, to your house. Have you ever been to the East Coast? Uh, well, Florida. Okay. So I was in... New York is a big city, right? Like, like yes. Most people think that New York is yeah. a big city. So I was out there for a training conference a couple years back, and they were talking about like how they got this brand new, super fast internet that that Comcast had provided for them at their business center, this business class internet. And it's super fast. And I'm like, oh yeah, how fast? He's like, 10 down and two up. And I'm like, my phone is faster than that. 10 oh, down. Oh, so you're fast. just you just you have you you questioned the the uh, infrastructure over there. Very much so. Like uh, I just so you got it all wrong, my friend. You got it all wrong. See, so this so? is the way it oh 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 man. Okay. It's All right. it's because it's 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 this is a thing. It's because these big companies come in with these huge data centers that they have all of the. They, I mean, the connections are, the connections there are super fast. It's just that when you go down, when you go down to some of the uh, like office buildings and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. Which is this one? There are contracts in place with telcos that gotcha. say only this telco can play in this building, or only you can only choose from these two telcos. And as a renter, when you go in there, you agree to that. Same thing happens in Seattle all the time. Okay. Doesn't right. impact, that doesn't, the, the totally different scenario with data, data, uh, bandwidth and data centers. But okay. I kind of have the same problem because uh, in downtown Seattle, there was legit uh-huh. full-on fiber that was available, yep. but the, the building had a deal with a really old, old, old telco that basically meant they could only get a T1. It was okay. the worst. The worst, Noah. The worst. So, you know what we did? No servers on awesome. location there. That was one oh. of the, that was it was one of the first clients where I was like, okay, you've only got a T1, you've got mm-hmm. a dozen people in your office. They're like mm-hmm. and and half of them are like super high profile uh uh high ang- hang- high anxiety lawyers. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're going to do. We'll bring a T1 in for the data, we'll bring a T1 in for the phone, and we took their exchange server, we took all that stuff offsite. Offsite, and that was before DigitalOcean was even around, and that was a massive process. DigitalOcean now, I think that would be a much simpler process, a much simpler. So you and I were like San Francisco brothers. Yeah, Look yeah, at yeah. Us with yeah. our servers, I, our, our our droplets are just hanging out together, bro. You know, the, they're just like the, ones over there, ones over there. They don't even know each other, but we could totally private. Dude, dude, is there if there was some way we could private network and have like our own our own like droplet network? Wouldn't that be so cool? We could have land. We could have land transfer. I'll do that one of these days. We'll have to send a file from my server yeah. to your. Yeah. Just to say that we've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be pretty cool. So, uh, the, speaking of the private networking, it doesn't actually work the way I'm talking. The way the private networking works, and I think this is actually really cool, is if you did have multiple servers like Noah does in the San Francisco data centers, or like mm-hmm. I do, then you can set up a private network for, between those droplets, and uh, you don't have any of that transfer count against 
your overall terabyte. When you start, the $5, it starts at a terabyte, and then it goes up from there. What's Ooh. crazy about that, if you think about that, front-end proxy, uh, back-end database server, backups, all that stuff you'd want to do over a private network anyways, it doesn't account against your, does not count against your transfer. It feels mm-hmm. like a loophole, but that's actually the way they do it. Plus, they have a great interface, a straightforward API, and a promo code that rocks last digital. Go see why Noah and I use it as our on-demand infrastructure. And whenever we get in a tight spot where somebody doesn't have enough bandwidth, or even here at the studio where we have 100 down now, it's like, uh, no, 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 just go spin up a droplet. It's $5 a month. Uh, it's really straightforward, really easy. They got images to make it go even faster. DigitalOcean.com, just use the promo code LASTDIGITAL. And you can go hang out in the San Francisco data center with Noah or I, or I got one in New York, and I, I think I have one in uh, maybe Germany. I can't remember. I did put one across the pond so that way folks over there that are syncing with me get like local speeds, which is a nice way if you think about it. At five bucks, why not just put something local to people so they get even faster speeds? And I got like yeah. 40 gigabit E connections uh, there, so it's a serious to each hypervisor, right? I'm not talking like to the whole data center either. I'm talking right. to the to the to the each hypervisor. That's crazy. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code LastDigital. Make it rock now. I want to. I want to see if I can redeem myself now. Uh, so if you weren't impressed with the, if you weren't impressed with the runs Linux, then you should be impressed with this. Basically, I have gotten to a point where my my password scheme, which is ridiculously simple, is I take one little base unit and then I. I tack on different things to the to the front and the back of it to make my actual password. And that way I, I can always remember it. And yet I have kind of different ones for each thing. Oh, that's clever. Well, it is clever, except here's the problem. The problem, Chris, is when you have people working for you and you start to get them more and more involved with doing the day-to-day stuff because you have more and more stuff to do at home and, and, and other projects that you want to work on and stuff like that, you have to give out those passwords. And I, don't, I never wanted to give out my actual main password. And so I, what I found myself doing was kind of coming up with a similar system uh, you know that was company wide and that seemed like a not very secure mm. and good idea and so what mm. i then what i went to was using lastpass to generate passwords and of course then i got off of lastpass and so i started to use a website to generate passwords but i didn't really like that because i wasn't really sure of what the code was doing and it's always just a little question in the back of your mind yeah well, exactly like how do i know that people aren't just logging all that i don't know it just didn't make me very comfortable come to find out uh, there is a password generator and a really, really good one that comes pre-installed in Linux. And so that's the spotlight this week. And I have been using it uh, extensively, APG. And basically, if you just type, open a terminal and type APG, you get a couple of passwords. And not only do they give you the passwords, but they give you uh, like a, a mnemonic device to remember the passwords. And then on top of that, you can... Uh, uh, I'll install real quick. I'm sure it's just an app getaway, right? Oh, that is that Ubuntu? Yeah, yeah. Weird. It's, oh, it's usually yeah. on. It's actually it's a it's a Ubuntu Mate edition, so maybe it's. Yeah, but I would think that. Well, anyway, it comes in fourteen oh four. Yeah, on uh, in the uh, stock fourteen oh four Unity. You know, norm regular thing from uh, Canonical. It comes installed by default. So when I first run it, it says enter some random data only. So, yep. so just bang on your keyboard. Yeah. Oh, look at so, that. That's cool. Oh, I like. It, yeah, I like the way it does the, like mnemonic, the, right? the mnemonics. Yes, that is yeah. really cool. So not only that, you can also do APG and then tack. Uh, there is a, a, a APG what? Length. I, I can't remember. It's attack S, attack M, something like that. And then you can specify uh, M, M for minimum length. Yeah, so if you do I see that. Attack M and then space like 20, it'll give you a 20 character password. Okay. And That's you're neat. able to. Spit Ooh, that out. I like it. Uh, so APG, and also they have. Uh, uh, spell generated passwords, uh, print a pronunciation of generated passwords. 
Uh-huh. That's cool. Print cryptid passwords. I like all of this, Noah. But it has gotten to the point where I'm like, I need a new pass. Like every time I'm turning around, I need a new password for something. I'm like, oh, we'll just do that. And, it, and it's funny because the mnemonics actually work. Like I had, I had our, I said, I, I was went through, and then I've obviously been resetting some of our services. And I, I went to do our bank, and but for whatever reason, my wife was trying to remember the actual like letters, and I'm like, no. And then I just say the mnemonic, and she's like, oh. Oh, we use that. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice system. All right, you ready for me to impress you? Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? All right. This is a new generation of email client. In the wake of Geary and with the unknown status of Thunderbird, I present you N1, the extensible open source mail client. Uh, now, before you get too excited, because I can tell you're getting really excited, um, I will warn you. Now, here it looks like Mac, but you, they have different themes and stuff. I will warn you, it is, I believe, based around Chromium. So there is a lot of overhead here, but you don't really know that. You don't notice that. Uh, and uh, it ties in super, super easy with a lot of typical mail services. So let's just say you wanted to maybe connect this to a Gmail or a Google Apps account. When you start it up, kind of like on your smartphone, it just says, uh, what platform is it on? You tap the Google one, and then it opens up Google Gmail uh, in your browser and says, would you like to authorize this client? So it's not using your actual password. It's Uh using the actual API authenticated, you know, way that Google prefers. And uh, it's pretty pretty slim. I like to use it in the dark mode so it doesn't look so Mac-ish, so it has a dark theme. Mm -hmm. That uh, looks really cool. it so far has been chewing on my big inboxes, hello, uh, pretty well. The only major issue I, I have is when I leave it running overnight, sometimes I come back and the main window has disappeared, but I still get new mail notifications. It does tie in, by the way, with GNOME 3's uh, new mail notifications. So it's called N1, and I do have it installed. I should probably check to make sure uh, I don't have like any weird uh, Laporte-style stuff come up before I launch it. But here, if I do N1, it's Nalias or whatever is the other name for it. Uh, and it's performance-wise, I really have no complaints. I'll bring up uh, my spam folder because everybody loves spam. Uh, with my with my with the current concerns over Thunderbird, I'm actually I've been looking at different mail clients. But the the thing that stands out to me right away off the bat is I like the three tiered approach where you have the ability to organize your emails, the emails, and then the body all rather than like this like. And they do have some different UI here. I'll show you. So they have layout is uh, is side panel or two panels, and okay. it's more tradition right now. I have the dark theme, and you can install it. You can install other themes. Uh, and they also have plugins that are right here. So here's the plugin browser, and you, it just pulls in the plugins that are online. So Quick Replies is one. GitHub sidebar info, so it'll look up somebody's email address on GitHub and show you any of the projects they've done. Uh, personal uh, level indicators, which uh, displays if somebody sent it directly to you in the inbox or if it was sent to a group. Quick schedule to integrate in with your calendar. And send later plugins are all just available right here with one click. Huh. Uh, so it's got a pretty neat plugin system. And here, I'll show you what the mail looks like when I bring up my, here, I'll bring up my spam folder. Every application should come with the ability to use dark mode. Like yes. That should be a requirement. Like if I'm you're a huge fan code, of dark mode. Yeah. If you're going to compile code, it should have to have a dark mode. Yep. Yeah, so the performance is okay. Like right now, because it's only the second time I've ever opened up, it's still a little, it's still like chugging away because it starts to pull in a whole bunch of inbox stuff. But I've been running it for a bit. I've, I've composed a lot of emails with it. I've been responding to emails with it for the week. Uh, and uh, it's not bad. So it's Nileus or whatever, however you pronounce that. And you can, uh, well, it'd probably be easiest to find it at Nileus.com or just use the link. In our show notes. So, yeah, there you go, No, A brand new mail client. It's got, you know, remember, it does have some overhead because it's mm-hmm. essentially running as a Chromium app. Um, and it's still under very heavy development. So also keep that in mind. But one to keep an eye out on. Yeah, and, you know, if, if one thing that's also nice is a lot of times when we would say, uh, 
let's uh, let's say like you wanted to move somebody over to Linux, like you're going to move an office of people over to Linux. A lot of times you'd yeah. say well, the right way to do that is start them on LibreOffice, Firefox, and Thunderbird months before the move. So that way when they right. move over to Linux, they're just using the same exact applications. And you and okay. I have have noticed if we have people using the same apps on Windows or Mac OS that they use on Linux, it's just for some people, especially heavy web browser users, yeah. the transition's almost it's almost not even a transition. It's just it's yeah. just they just open the same applications. N1 promises that same kind of functionality because they have N1 for all the different platforms because it's gotcha. only a map. That's another thing I like it. So, Noah, before we get in talking about the Entraware Apollo, I just want to mention, I didn't grab his name because uh, I was super busy before the show, but I want to shout out to the audience. I don't know maybe if you know his name, but uh, Rotten and him work together, and we now have the Linux Action Show app picks all updated on the website, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash lastpicks. It's current as of uh, last week's episode, 405. So if you want to see any of the previous desktop app picks we've covered, some of them are a little bit more whiz-bangy than others. You can find them. The Runs Linux, the Desktop App Picks, and the Project Spotlight. So thank you very much. Uh, I did Andrew, see an- Andrew, Andrew L. Thank you, Andrew. That, that has been working. And he actually, he reached out, he used the contact form, and reached out and said, you know, I, I'd, I'd be willing to do it. I just have no idea how to, how to actually get connected with the stuff. And then before I could even respond and get him connected with the, with the appropriate resources, he went out and figured it figured out. It out. I love like, that. I love okay, that. Yeah. He's like, they're updated. Can somebody do this? I'm like, can I get you in contact with with Rotten? Let me let me get this. So he actually, he just for us, he signed up for Telegram, and I was able to put him and Rotten in contact. And then, so his name's Alan, right? Alan, if yeah, Andrew. You, Andrew, 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 if you make it to Linux Fest Northwest, you, beer on us for sure. That's right. That is for sure. Otherwise, internet beer because that's the best we can do. But if you make it there, actual, you can cash those internet beers in for actual beer at Fest. So that's a you get one. We just handed it out. Andrew gets a beer. So. There you go. All right, Noah. Uh, I really want to talk about this Apollo, but we have some big breaking news to get to. So uh, okay. that's all the picks for this week. Let's do the news. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Ting.com. Last.ting.com to support this show. Last.ting.com to go there and save yourself some money. Last.ting.com to use their savings calculator, where you pop in how much you're going to actually use and see what you would save. Mobile that makes sense. Get this? No contract. No other termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. And here's the best part. It's not a gimmick. Like, they didn't have to put on, like, a pink shirt and a leather jacket and sell you on net neutrality and, and why busting net neutrality is a good thing and all these things to get these great rates. Nope, that's always the way they've been. In fact, Ting is actually a true defender of Internet rights and net neutrality. In fact, check out their blog for more info on that. But the short version, and this is something that Ting said a long time ago that has always resonated with me because for all of my Internet connections – I always just wanted to call up like Comcast or whoever and be like, can I just get a dumb pipe? I just want an IP address and as much bandwidth as you can give me. I don't need to bundle it with a phone service. I really don't want your phone service and I don't even want your TV service. I just want a dumb pipe. Like, don't you wish you could always just say that to them and they would just give you a dumb pipe? One of the things Ting said early on, and I really love this, they're like, if they want to just use this as a dumb pipe, they can. If they want to never use our data, they can. Like this for us... It's all about all bits being equal. And that's a big thing about Ting. That's a big part about spending your money there is you're voting against that duopoly. That, that's a big part of it. Go to last.ting.com and check out some of the great devices. Noah's got crazy devices. I've got your standard devices like the S6 from Samsung. I got an iPhone up on that business. And uh, I got to tell you, that S6, 
I really miss that camera. If you're looking for a great camera, they got a new phone, they got a new one coming out. So maybe wait till the S7 ships. So then you can probably get a great deal on the S6. You should go to the Ting store because everything there, you own it outright, uh, and you can just get a SIM card or you can just get a really nice phone. If you, so SIM the S6, card. yeah, you go with the SIM card route and then just pop into anything. Totally the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> he knows he's talking. Well, about. like my, my wife, like her phone, she, her phone has been getting like progressively worse, and she has, she has mm-hmm. the, this 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 uncanny ability to constantly like understate her problems and she's like oh yeah the phone's getting a little uh, it's it's like it's slowing down a little bit yeah. and, it's, and then you go to use you're like my god yeah there's like 200 <laughs> kilobytes of free space on the thing yes. like applications can't even open because yes. there's so limited space yeah. i'm like honey we got to get you a new phone like, for an upgrade a month ago and so but we all we ended up doing was uh i went down to to best buy yep. and they had they, they have a whole unlock section now mm-hmm. and love that yeah, go get the new Moto G, and you know, get this. The gal at the at the little mobile center, she even activated it for us. Like she opened it up, and, like I can't do it myself, but she opens it up and puts the, the the SIM card in, and I gave her the the access point settings, and she went through. And yeah, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But yeah, it's you know, if you if you you can go buy phones because that that's the that's that's one thing that I would hear from people sometimes. They say, well, I'd like to go with Ting, but I don't have any place that I can go if I break my phone or lose it. And that's just that's completely not true. I in fact, the last two phones I bought, yeah. I have bought in a physical store. Sometimes you just need it right away. Like when you were like that time you were traveling and you just needed a phone. Exactly. Exactly. But it works. I can, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's becoming more of an accepted thing. And then that's being able to just swap from one phone to the other. The $9 SIM is, is brilliant. And you buy one SIM and you can do all the different sizes. They're also available. I think they're even primable. So they just, are, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, so you prime they, them. they run sales, and if you find them, you can get them for five yeah. bucks. Oh well, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you watch, but other way, when they're not on sale, though, they're still a great deal. So you know, here's the here's the here's the only bad thing. This is a forewarning to everyone. I should I should warn you. So I stocked the heck up on Sims because I was like, yeah, I use this a lot. Turns out they have an expiration date. So yes, I'm fast, Noah. a lot of phones. Yeah, yeah. Go crazy, <laughs> Noah. Go crazy. Go crazy. Yeah, they got GSM and CDMA services, so you can pick from whichever one fits you. Like I was saying, with the S7 going on sale soon, I would watch for a good S6 sale. Pick it up because it's got a great camera and it's still a super fast phone. Last.ting.com. And also check out their blog when you're over there if you want to get in on March Madness and you're a cord cutter. They got your back. They got your back. They got you hooked up with some good info. Last.ting.com. And a big thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. So uh, this story, our first story this week, not only surprised the crap out of me, but also uh, I saw it coming for like a year. I, I, yeah. I actually wondered why it took so long. And Chris, uh, those seem like two opposite things. I know. That's yeah. why I was, I was like, huh. It's not coming for a year. It yes. should not you when it happens. I know, exactly. That's why I was like, why am I surprised about this first story? So, Miguel Itacaza has sold his company, Zamarian, to Microsoft. Now, this Zamarian company has a very interesting history, which you could follow if you watch the back catalog of last. But put, sh- put short, uh, Miguel and others were some of the f- people who started GNOME, the desktop environment that uh, I use all the time. And uh, then later on... <clears throat> created some other companies. You may be familiar with some of them. And then eventually started the Mono project. Now, Mono was really a .NET runtime for multiple platforms like Linux and later the Mac OS. And they've really focused a lot on mobile development, cross-platform mobile development. Uh, and we have covered the quality and success that they have may or not had, may or may not have had, on Coda Radio. We've talked about this on Coda Radio a lot. In fact, on Coda Radio, we've been saying for a while, we think that 
Why? Why? There were there were like Microsoft was flying out Miguel and other executives to Redmond, hanging out for a while, doing just doing things. Is like this looks like an acquisition, but then things just never landed. Uh, this is also interesting when you look at it in the context of Microsoft open sourcing their end of .NET, which a lot of people say, well, what does that mean for Zamarian now? Uh, so, yeah, uh, this is a pretty interesting development considering the roots of this company. Uh, a blog post from Microsoft's Cloud and Enterprise Group, which I thought was interesting. The executive vice president of Microsoft's Cloud and Enterprise Group said it's official. Full terms of the deal have not been disclosed. Zamarian currently has, this is a new number for us, 15,000 customers. Not a huge amount. Uh, including high-profile companies, though, like Alaska Airlines, Coca-Cola, a Bottling, a Thermal Fischl, and Honeywell, and JetBlue. So, you know, decent, qual- uh, decent quality clients there. So Marion has raised a total of $82 million in funding from investors, including Charles River Ventures, Floodgate, Ignition Partners, and Leading Edge Capital, according to data from Crunchbase. Miguel is also kind of an outspoken anti-Linux person over the years, saying that the Linux desktop had lost him. So, uh, if you if you remember Noah back, I don't know, four or five years ago, .NET and Mono were a really big deal in the Linux community, and the IP right. around them, and and the question of that, there was a movement in distros to remove Mono because they didn't fit on the CD. I don't know if you remember this argument, but they all started removing Mono because it didn't fit on the CD, and there were some great applications written in Mono that just sort of died off. In mm-hmm. fact. Some of the best photo management software, some of the best <clears throat> music management software, and some of the best note-taking applications ever created, in my estimation, at least for GTK desktops, on the Linux platform, some of the best ones ever made, were in mono. And in my estimation, we've actually not even completely replaced all of the functionality of some of those apps that we long abandoned simply because they were written in mono. Like, we still, today have not fully replaced those applications, and they were simply tainted because, well, Mono, and Mono was Microsoft in a, some weird, removed, abstract reality. Do you remember some of those dramas in, in that context? What's this mean to you? I, I do, but I, I, I get a little bit conflicted because on one hand, I feel like I feel like, you know, we were talking about solar panels earlier, right? And I have I have a friend and she is constantly trying to convince me on wind energy and wind energy is amazing and you should put a windmill in, the, in your backyard and, and stop. And I'm like, the Emily, the amount of, of windmills I'd have to put in my backyard to use the amount of energy I use is not practical. So if and when we get a more efficient min, windmill or we have a more efficient alternative energy, I'd be happy to replace what I'm currently doing. But right now, that's not a practical solution. And so, and I feel the same way when it comes to, you know, these kind of arguments where it says, well, let's replace this language because Microsoft originally owned it and, and, or, or, or had something to do with it or was tangentially related. And so then, then I start to think, well, that's great. If we can find a suitable replacement and that suitable replacement becomes, uh, you know, a, a realistic competitor, then yeah, let's all switch. Why and not? It's but- funny now, uh, looking back at those arguments and the concern we had around IP and Microsoft, specific, probably specifically mm-hmm. Balmer, suing. It's so funny looking back now and here we're sitting at Microsoft open source.net and put the code up on GitHub. Right. It's kind of like not even a, not even a remote threat anymore. In fact, they're kind of desperate for us to use .NET on Linux. They really want us to use it really bad. So we're, the, it, what, what we thought was going to be the big boogeyman coming down to sue all in, end users running Linux mono and mono applications turned out to be completely off base. I would say the other side of that, though, and where I where I recognize and fully admit that I'm a bit hypocritical here is that. There are multiple times 
when I use an inferior piece of software or software that doesn't perform as well or doesn't have the feature set as its competitor because it runs on Linux and because or because it's open and or because it's open source. So there is I, I, I while I see both sides of it, if oftentimes when I'm faced with that exact same dilemma, even though I don't you know make a blog post about why I think we should do this that or the other, I don't you want to play it safe. Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. And that, and the, the, then the other part that plays into that is over and over and over again, when I find myself not doing that, when I say, well, this piece of software has the functionality I need and works the best and and really has all the open source stuff beaten. If, it, if that ever happens, I'll switch. But you know, when I try and make that argument, the practical aspect of it is I get bit by things mm-hmm. like screen tech. And then all of a sudden I have yeah. no software yeah. because, you know, and so I would have almost rather had planned around the fact that I didn't have a reliable piece of software I could count on from the get-go rather than get bought into this and then and then get dumped on halfway through. Yeah. And so I, I can definitely see uh, both sides mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess what it really comes down to is Microsoft may be open sourcing, you know, .NET and they may have not come after Mono and maybe they are, you know, they, they are in bed with, you know, they love Kumbaya, Linux, this, that, and the other. But it is going to take years before I think, but before yeah. those of us that have been burned and spit and stomped on by Microsoft and got our face smashed into the concrete so many times, it's going to take years before I think any of us actually have an innate trust for. And for I think that. that's where this next story is kind of actually getting uh, its birth from. So Linux users are campaigning Microsoft. After neglecting Skype, there's a week of downtime. In an open letter to Microsoft, the group wrote, it was a shitty move not to update the client for three years, which resulted in this mostly. It was just annoying that you ignored almost every tweet to at Skype support. Uh Uh-oh! About issues of Skype for Linux. But it is absolutely disgraceful that you drop the Linux client before any alternatives are available without even telling your users. So they're kind of assuming that Skype for Linux has been dropped because... It is no longer compatible with the newest, latest version of Windows, I'm led to believe. Have you run into this issue, Noah, and have you been sniffing around on solutions? No, I haven't, but here's the here's the really scary thing is I actually have a conference call planned on Tuesday, so <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. But um, but the, the, well, but yeah. here, here's, here's the here, – from Microsoft's defense, and I, again, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm not necessarily defending them, but from in their defense, I think that they are trying to heavily invest in Skype web and get everything to – Yeah, Google. probably, but, huh? And if that's your case, and to some degree that makes a lot of sense because if you can start to leverage the toolkits that are available inside of a web browser, now you don't have to make Skype for Mac and Skype for Windows and Skype for Linux. Yeah, it's sort of almost an acknowledgement that the desktop application is going away. I don't know. I'm not super uh, worked up about it. I actually kind of wanted to put it because, you know, there's a lot of other alternatives out there. I kind of wanted to put this out there, though, and ask people if uh, anybody's been successfully using the latest version of Windows Skype under Wine. And what that gets us. Yes. All right. So uh, last week, we talked in the news about uh, Canonical announcing to officially support and ship ZFS as a loadable kernel module pre-built with uh, updates from the repo in Ubuntu 16.04 of the ZFS file system. And uh, quite a bit of reactions all across the internet. A lot of questions about the legality of it. And uh, Canonical said, hey, you know, we've analyzed this. We're not really up for discussion about legality. Let's talk about using and supporting it. Hoorah! Kind of like a Howard Dean scream. And then uh, we moved on. However, the Software Freedom Conservancy has done their analysis. Uh, You guys might remember the Software Freedom Conservancy. We've interviewed them several times on the show when we go to events, uh, headed up by Karen Sandler, who's also been on the show many times and talked about uh, the Conservancy. Uh, And the Conservancy writes that their conclusion is simple. 
The Conservancy and the Linux copyright holders of the GPL compliance project for Linux believe that the distribution, so that's several Linux developers who have copyrights, uh, believe that the distribution of ZFS binaries in, uh, is a GPL violation and infringes Linux copyright. We are also concerned that it may infringe Oracle copyrights in ZFS. As such, we again ask Oracle to respect the community norms against license proliferation and simply relicense ZFS. Well, that doesn't seem very likely, but uh, our buddy, Mr. Alan Jude, quite the ZFS expert these days, uh, we talked a little bit about this deep into the TechSnap program, so I thought I'd just play a little bit of his discussion with me about uh, this issue of ZFS and uh, licensing under Ubuntu. Uh their case. Basically, they say Canonical managed to find some lawyers who thought the opposite, that, that they would work. Uh, and uh, that, you know, often that's the case when you do this type of thing, and only a court can really decide. And Yeah, uh, right. That really seems to be the, the, the key thing, is it almost seems like it's, it's going yes, to... The GPL has never actually been fully tested in court. The way I read this, too, is it really seems like what they want is Oracle just to, op- to GPL ZFS. They because they, they well, the whole opening paragraph. They say GPL compatible. Yeah, that's you're right. They do. You're right. But the whole opening paragraph is about the, Oracle, really. Yeah. Well, at the beginning, yes. Uh, partly because the SFC is trying to be friendly with uh, uh, Canonical, and actually, so far, uh, the agreement between the Conservancy and Canonical is that not, Canonical has to lobby Oracle to. I uh, consider doing that to ZFS. Although, so how what does I've heard the gate, grapevine is that previously, uh, uh, like a, a while ago, long before this Linux stuff came up, uh, a company had offered to pay Oracle at least a hundred million dollars mm. to relicense ZFS, and Oracle refused. They're not going to do it, dude. They're, they're not yeah. going to do it. Uh, listen, how is this different than any other driver that? Distribution well, that's, ship. that's the one I've kind of wondered. It's like, if it's a separate driver, then that's... You know, it's, it's an external module. It's like, how is that different than the EMT? If the, if the conservancy is right about this, and they set a precedent here, then would they necessarily be saying the... Exactly. The AMD driver, the NVIDIA driver, any driver well, that... basically, hard- there's a couple of different camps. The one camp says that only statically compiled, so built into the kernel, is making a derivative thing. And that... Right. Uh, things that are dynamic modules, like the graphics driver and so on, are not. Well, and they're also they're not derived from code of the kernel. They don't derive well, their they yeah, they, they link to the kernel. Right. So they they use facilities from the kernel to interface with it. But yeah, and that's where the dispute is: is those facilities, right? But it, to me, it seems like if this is true, well, then there's so many there's, other there's drivers that also are going to be raids of of fanaticism here, right? Like uh, some people think that any Touching the GPL code at all contaminates it, uh, and some people are like only static linking, some people are only dynamic linking, and some people, uh, you know, there's like, well, I think we just this, want to be reasonable and have stuff work. I think the conservancy is about to find themselves potentially in a position where they are lobbying for things that very powerful players in the Linux ecosystem uh, don't agree with. Uh, for right. example, uh, VMware is a contributor to the Linux Foundation, right? And the Conservancy is suing VMware. Uh, I think it is probably in Canonical and, and SUSE's and Red Hat's best interest for everybody on the Linux side to be able to ship ZFS. And so I bet they're hoping Canonical, I'm sure Red Hat and SUSE are watching this and going, go ahead, Mark, ship, ship Ubuntu with that. Let's see how that plays out in the marketplace. And if they have a win there, they're all going to do it. They're yeah. all going to do it. So the Conservancy is pushing a very fine line here. But the conservancy is backed by a bunch of people that own chunks of the Linux copyright. They're also... Uh, 
Uh, barely struggling to get funding, too. Yes. But so I want to stop right there. A couple of things that I think are worth pointing out. So you, uh, as we outlined there, the conservancy is taking this fight on uh, with some was they're really fighting some seriously powerful people. No judgment there. I'm just pointing that out. And then the other thing is, uh, if they're right, if what Canonical is doing violates the GPL and the copyright of the Linux kernel, then that the domino effect that that will create is something we've we've speculated a long time is that would apply also to any driver like the right. NVIDIA driver, the ATI driver, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and we are, even just the suggestion of this is mm-hmm. already creating a domino effect. Uh, this weekend, the Debian package maintainers for the NVIDIA package, the, uh, I think I have the actual package name highlighted here. It's the, it's a, what the heck's the, it's the NVIDIA driver package. Um, yeah, the NVIDIA graphics modules provide pre-compiled non-free kernel modules. Several layers, or I'm sorry, several lawyers, and people believe this is a violation of the GPL license. This is the writing on the mailing list. This interpretation is consistent with our position on ZFS modules, which will also ship source code only. As such, uh, the work is not distributable and should be removed from the archive in all suites. ASAP, referring to the NVIDIA kernel module. The Debian mailing list, has, they concluded there that they must pull the Debian module from the Debian repositories because it sounds just like the same problem with CFS. And what kind of, this feels reactionary to me because there's like no decision made yet and they're not lawyers, so they don't even really know what they're talking about, but they're just using an abundance of caution. So my point is, is regardless of what ends up happening with that package, uh, it is already creating a bit of a chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some projects, and so depending on this, depending on where this suit goes, this could become one of the major tests of the GPL. One of the other major tests of the GPL happening right now is the VMware lawsuit, and I have a link in the show notes. Really good write-up. A gentleman went to the uh, court hearing in Germany, uh, listened to everything, took a bunch of really great notes, outlined the court's understanding of the GPL and Linux and what that's what that is. And it's all linked in the show notes. It's it's interesting stuff. So we are getting to a point where uh this could make things really challenging for Linux users, but they might be right. You know, they might be right. So I I'd ask you a couple questions. The first is is this really the most appropriate time? I appreciate the fact that I that we have people in the community that think about this, these kinds of things and, and keep a watchful eye. And I agree that there isn't a point in having a GPL if we're not going to defend it if and when it's violated. But is this really the appropriate time to pick this fight? You have you have so many things that are happening right now. You have the transition of of, of native apps and, and, and web apps becoming more prolific. And so now more than ever, I see businesses using, businesses are using Chromebooks for the first time in, 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 in my entire uh, IT career. I am watching businesses go out and buy a pre-built box that actually has a Linux kernel, albeit not a perfect Linux experience. And they are, they are running their software on, on these devices. And you have the Steam machine that shipped last year all of these little moving parts are happening. Is this really the best time for us to put our dig, dig our heels into the sand and, 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 and start to fight about software licensing? 
Well, that's that's sort I, of. I mean, you never, I guess you the never want to miss a good opportunity. So yes, I guess the answer yeah. is yes. It must be because they've got they've got a they've got a well known company, uh, uh, something that's hotly anticipated and wanted. And uh, so I think the answer actually is yes. I think this is the right time. I think it's a it's a gamble to, to actually take the GPL into court like this, but I'm, I want it to happen. Now there's that's not the only take on this. Uh, the Software Freedom Law Center also has a take on this. Uh, now they you might be familiar with them. Uh, Eben Mulgan or how do you Eben? You know we've only met him a dozen times. Uh, he works with Richard Stallman. He he he's not going to publish something that RMS doesn't agree with because. You know he's going to hear from RMS. Uh, he writes uh, that uh, what we have here is code that is linked into kernel space through the Linux kernel APIs. Uh, and when that happens, it becomes one work with the kernel. A potential conflict of license term results, which is what the, is what people say is happening here. In this mode of use, a translation layer of code licensed under the GPL v2 terms and subject to the kernel copyright holder's interpretation of those terms mediates between the file system and the kernel into which it is linked, translating between those Solaris system calls made by the file system and the Linux system calls and services. The combination of those parts is then compiled into a Linux kernel module that can be statically linked into a single kernel binary or a loaded running kernel into a kernel space on the fly. Now, that binary part's important. When in this mode of employment, the CDDL license code, which is what, the ZD, is what ZFS is, implementing the file system is combined with the module-specific transition, or I'm sorry, translation layer, and the result is then statically or dynamically linked into the Linux kernel. The resulting binary is licensed to all users under the terms of the GPL2. I want to say that part again. The resulting binary that is produced by this is licensed under the terms of the GPL2, and only the GPL2, as the license requires. This happens because the CDDL gives permission for binary forms of code it licenses to be released under any license. And the license terms, in effect, are those of the GPL version 2. The making of the binary itself does not result in infringement of kernel copyrights or is a violation of the GPL 2 terms. Uh, and then continuing on, Canonical, in its Ubuntu distribution, has chosen to provide a kernel and module binaries bundling ZFS with the kernel, and they are providing the source in full with the relevant ZFS file system code and files license as required by the CDDL. So because Canonical is, is distributing the code for everything they're including, which is pretty easy to do, mm -hmm. uh, they actually may be complying with the terms of the CDDL. It's extremely complicated, and I'm obviously barely understanding it myself. But the way, essentially, I understand it to work is when you have a, pri a proprietary kernel module that needs, to that needs to interact with the kernel, there is a translation that is created between them to talk, because there's certain Solaris calls and things like that. The binary that is created is GPL licensed. And what the binary, the, the proprietary binary, binary, the ZFS module in this case is talking to, is that is that other binary. And the, the and because when these two connect, the CDDL, CDDL says, well, when these two connect, this code becomes GPL. Ergo, no violation. That's my really super rough understanding. But my, they may actually not be violating the GPL here, according to Mr. Moglin, who uh, is a bit of an authority on things of the GPL. So I don't know. We'll see. 
well, I don't know where this is going to go, but it could go to affect everything down to our display drivers. I know that was way off in the weeds, and this is just my first take on understanding it over the weekend. But And this is all breaking. We'll have plenty of more time to, to analyze this because uh, if this does go to court, it's going to be a multi-year process. We won't sit here and cover it every single weekend. But whenever anything major happens that may put the future enforcement of the GPL into question, we may cover it here on the Linux Action Show. Really quick, you may have – speaking of online services that shut down and leave you in a lurch – Parse was a uh, one of these same exact situations. They recently announced they're discontinuing their platform as a service product, meaning that any app that may have been built that depended on it will have to be migrated to an alternative solution. Uh, our own Mr. Mar- Michael Dominic was caught by this, and I thought, boy, doesn't that fit in perfectly with the theme of our shows recently? And by the way, Mike's also got a discount. If you guys w- uh, have anything that was written on Parse and want to get it migrated off to a different platform before it shuts down, he's helping people bail out of Parse. You can check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes or just go to buccaneer.io for more info talk about getting you you know you build your whole product around something like that noah and then they shut it down yeah i i've i've experienced that building a whole product around something putting a yeah lot i of thought you would i thought you could relate to that i thought you could all right shut your face hold no it's time to talk about enterware's apollo that's all the news for this week If I had a time machine and I took this computer back to past Chris from, say, five years ago on the Linux Action Show and showed him what a modern Linux-compatible computer might look like, I think he might mess himself. Hopefully, we catch it on air. This is really a new league of Linux-ready laptops. I'm going to tell you about Enterware's Apollo, but before we do that, I'm going to talk about our segment sponsor that made it possible for us to do this review. That's Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com unplugged to get our super badass unplugged discount. Check out Linux Academy. It's a platform for people that know what Linux is by people who love Linux and really want to actually do their their form of Linux advocacy, which I think is a pretty awesome idea I can relate to. They have over 2,334 self-paced courses with instructor help available when you need it, and that's a big deal. They have scenario-based labs and also graded server exercises, which are really nice for me. And over on their updates, they mentioned recently that they are working on uh, some Red Hat Certified Engineer courseware, which is really cool. And they're going to have new videos for Red Hat Certified Engineers. No, that's your next goal right there, man. Yeah, I, you know, here, the, the thing is, when it comes to certifications for me, and I've done a couple of them this way, I have paid a lot of money to go through the class, and I haven't actually sat for the test at the end. And the reason for that is because when you work for yourself, Actually having the certification is debatable how valuable it is. I mean, yeah, it's great when I can go sit in front of a client. It really depends if your client wants it, right? Yeah, when you work for yourself. Very, very very few of them. Yeah. the clients that we're working with these days, if they're coming to an IT company, very, very oftentimes they'll ask, do you possess, uh, do, does your company have people employed that possess these expertise? But very seldom are they asking us as a company if individuals have certifications in one thing or the other. But I, I frequently take classes just to get the information out of them, as that was the case with the eth- uh, Certified Ethical Hacker um, and, and, and a couple other, uh, some of the more high level uh, mm-hmm. security courses. But the advantage to uh, like the the uh, the the Red Hat uh, CE is I wouldn't actually probably want to sit for the test because I don't 
think other than proving something to myself and right. and having a little certificate with the yeah. red hat for me it's not about the test either i'll be honest with right. you because i'm you not doing this to get a job for me it's more about going in there and banging on some of the server exercises exactly. i like that there's seven plus distros i choose from so i can pick like you know something that i'm going to be comfortable in so i'm not sitting there struggling to learn a different environment which isn't mm -hmm. a huge deal but for some of us that's really nice to have uh and the other thing is i like is i, I like getting an idea of like uh how big of a commitment is something so no you might find this kind of useful too as an employer like if you wanted one of your guys to train up on Python, uh, you could just have them use Linux Academy and you would know, okay, well, Linux Academy tells me this is a five-hour, six-hour task, so I yep. should expect something like that. And now you would know, okay, if this is something you want as one of your employees to take on, mm -hmm. you have an idea we of what to expect. And they can go over to Linux Academy and they have team platforms that make it really easy to share accounts and stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, we actually we used to have an in-house uh, thing that a couple of, a couple of the, the first guys that ever worked for me, we all put it together. Basically, like a training you know, a DVD of set back at that time, a DVD that went through on how to do some of this stuff. And when I went to replace it, because obviously the, the material got to be out of date, I've actually just switched to giving them a, a membership to Linux Academy. And we paid for it for a couple of our guys um, to go through. And then it, a couple of them have done it because we needed them to have the skills. And then a couple of them just came up and said, I don't really have any practical reason. I just kind of want to do it. And so we've paid for them to go through it. Um, and we haven't actually, I haven't actually had the time to sit down to figure out the whole team thing, but I think that's definitely something that we would look at in the, in the future, because like you said, the, the nice yeah. thing is, you know, the thing that Linux Academy is doing, that's a little bit different from some of the other training websites out there. Mm -hmm. they have like a set of instructors that they give material to and then basically what they are is like organized presenters and then they give them a dvd and say just go through and explain this stuff and they're not necessarily experts on no, that they're topic. more of like voice actor like they're right. not exactly they're just that's, presenters. What, that's but, what so many online training services do it's right it's, so in linux academy what i found is when i watch a course about like a, a, like the red hat course right that guy knows everything there is to know about red hat and that he lives eats and breathes red hat and when you go and do like i took the python class that guy knows everything there is to know about python and not just on linux but on on all of the platforms and he explains that and it, you know so they, they they have all of these uh, these instructors that that are you know that are true dedicated professionals to their individual space yes, and i, I think that, that makes it much they got better. something new too check this out cloud cadet episode 4 AD and LDAP services with AWS, their fourth installment of Cloud Cadet, up to the general public on their blog. You can go check them out. Just start by supporting the show, going to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, and a big thank you to Linux Academy. Oh, and congratulations, they actually got the iOS, approve, uh, iOS app approved by Apple, and so if you have like an internet paddle <clears throat> or an iPhone, you can uh, use that to... Uh, Log into Linux Academy and take advantage of their courseware. And yes, the Android app is under development as well. So, Noah, I uh, it's an interesting story of woe that led to sort of a silver lining, and that is mm -hmm. this Apollo laptop here from Entroware. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the folks over at uh, Entroware follow the show, and uh, they follow Linux Unplugged, and uh, they've been working with Wimpy for a little while now on the Ubuntu Mate edition, which is what this was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they all kind of were uh, taking a poke at me for a while, kind of laughing a little bit because this, I think part of the secret to the Entraware is they're using some of the same base hardware mm -hmm. that Purism promised on their 13-inch laptop, mm -hmm. uh, which we may have a review of soon. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of looked a skeptical glance over there and thought, well, how could it really be much different? Uh, and so the guys over there at Apollo wanted to prove it to me. And see see if I could notice the difference between their implementation and say, purism's implementation. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, today I am reviewing the Apollo, which uh, here I'll get the I'll get the specs for you. Is a 13-inch laptop. It starts at around $700 US uh, for an i3 with four gigabytes of RAM and a, four, a 500 gigabyte spinning disk. Uh, Intel wireless, 13.3-inch IPS 1080p display. So it's a like nice, crisp 1080p display. One megapixel front-facing camera, a backlit keyboard with transparent keys, so the backlight actually works. Uh, and you can choose it to come with the Ubuntu logo or the Mate logo, and you can choose from Ubuntu 1510, Ubuntu Mate 1510, or no OS. And now the part of the big, fat, huge disclaimer. Not available in the U.S., so I am about to talk about uh, something that only 30% of our audience could probably order today. However, if enough of you got together, you might be able to get a group buy. Uh, or stay tuned, we'll have another future 13-inch laptop coming up that you might be interested that you can order in the U.S. Uh, but, so this is the Apollo. Now, as configured and sent to me by Enterware for review uh, to see... Uh, 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 to see how it kind of stacks up, they they packed it with something that was more applicable to my actual workload. Uh, it has an Intel Core i7 6500 uh, processor, 8 gigabytes of memory. It has a 500 gigabyte spinning disk for my home, and then a 120 gigabyte SSD. Two hard drives in this 13-inch laptop. The SSD is for root. It has Intel Skylake integrated graphics. It has the AC3160 Intel uh, it has Ubuntu Mate on there, and uh, huh, I didn't realize they have a dead pixel guarantee, too. That's pretty cool. So I think as configured, mine was just shy of $1,000, like 950 greenbacks. So, Noah, uh, it, it has a good look. A well-designed laptop, $950, $950. That doesn't seem too bad, right? What is your no. initial reaction to that price point? My initial reaction is that is far and away cheaper, less expensive. I won't say cheaper, less expensive than any other laptop, any other comparable laptop. So last week we did a lot of comparison to the MacBook Pro, right? And the, the, the entry level MacBook, like the Air, starts at $1,000, right? So we're already below that point. But even if you look at other manufacturers, if you look like the Asus ZenBook or if you look at the HP, uh, uh, what is it, Elite, uh, what's, mm. their, what's their super thin, super, super mm -hmm. nice uh, premium Ultrabook, Elite something, that that is a $1,600 laptop. Even uh, all of Dell's are, you know, the, their, their super slim Ultrabooks are, are over a grand. So to have a sub $1,000 computer, it, 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 I'll say this, to have a sub $1,000 computer with a 1080p IPS display alone, is incredible. Then you pack the fact that you actually have an i7 because most of those laptops are i5 still, and you have, uh, I guess, 8 gigs of RAM isn't so uh, unusual, but definitely to have both the M.2 and a spinning disk, it's a great price. I think uh, I think 8 gigs too is the is the actual maximum limit of the uh, of the uh, of the motherboard. So one thing I want to point out is because this came up last week, uh, 1080p is is what I like to use because of my production requirements here and I need to mirror my desktop and I capture yep. it 1080p. So 1080p is sort of a production requirement here in studio. I also just think if you're going integrated graphics, going higher than 1080p, you're really never going to give yourself a shot to play anything at all. So 1080p, There's, take I, it or leave it. There's another take on that as well, and that is that when you start getting at resolutions higher than 1080p and I have a laptop that is, you know, 2650, whatever – Things just get to be too small. And so what you look, what, what I've learned the hard way is that you don't buy a 27 inch monitor, or a 30 inch monitor in 1080p because things are too big. And you don't try to cram 
2700 pixels into a 12 or 13 inch display because things are too small. And yes, there is scaling when the operating when the when the apps are written for the operating system to support it and stuff like that. But overall, I, I my personal opinion is that anything under 24 inches seems that sweet spot seems to be 1080p. I have just enough desktop real estate that I can you know have a Word document and a web browser up, and and, and at the same time. Uh, it, it's not, things aren't so small that I'm, I have to squint to read, or I constantly zooming in to see things. And so, to yeah. me, that seems like the, the perfect, uh, the perfect line for for a display. I uh, so I so that's the display, and I find it to be a very good display, uh, much higher quality than uh, on the uh, Librem 15. Um, I haven't really messed with the webcam yet, <clears throat> so I want to talk about the cons first. And then I'll get into the things that I, I really like about this laptop. Uh, so two negatives that jumped out at me uh, is the trackpad is the first one. Uh, it is a it is a single click style trackpad, and uh, I don't know if I can actually pull it up here. See, and uh, there we go. So it's a single it's a single click style trackpad. There's no uh, individual like physical buttons for it. So it's sort of sort of like how it is like on a MacBook. Um, and I actually just have never really liked that. Uh, and so. That experience isn't great. One of the nice touches, though, is uh, Wimpy informed me that the Apollo is shipping with a slightly updated version of uh, Mate desktop. So that way, in the mouse settings, I can alternate between uh, two-finger scrolling or side-scrolling and uh, mm -hmm. two, you know, right-click and how those different. So you get all of that like multi-finger functionality uh, built right there with just a super simple toggles in the Mate desktop. And that's a sort of an, a testament to like they just they wanted to include that just that way when you got that. Uh, and I did not have that with the uh, with the with the Librem 15. I could only make those settings adjustments in Pure OS. I couldn't make those settings adjustments under any other desktop. Uh, whereas with the Apollo, you just need to have a, a, an up to date version of Mate or another desktop environment, and that works. So that was a nice touch. The trackpad I'm not 100 percent on, so I am using like a Logitech MX Anywhere, <clears throat> which are my favorite. To be fair, I've I I have I don't think I've ever seen you solidly use a trackpad. Almost all the times I've yeah, seen you, use just not a huge trackpad person. So it's a yeah. You just you just uh, see. I just mention it because it it just jump out at me. Uh, the other thing in the chat room kind of dialed in on it too, and this it's not a it's not a huge deal to me either. But uh, the uh, the Mate sticker they put on there is a sticker. Right. It's not a key. It's a sticker over the Windows key. That said, it is a translucent sticker, so the backlighting still works great, and you really don't notice it. It doesn't feel weird. It's got a good texture to it. So it would be nice if the, tix if the, if the uh, sticker was the whole length of the button. That might yeah. make it a little less obvious, but uh, at least it's not a Windows logo, right? So that's, yeah. that's nice. So those are, those are my negatives, guys. Those are Man, when, that, that, that's it. We're at the end of the list. Yeah, we're at the end of the list. That's those are the <laughs> negatives. Uh, let's talk about the positives. Um, and everybody that was around me this week, I shoved this laptop in their hands, and I was like, "Tell yeah. me what you think." And uh, every every single person from my children all the way on all the way on up to uh, Wes when he was here for Unplugged, uh, Chase when he was here for Unfilter. Uh, everybody they like you know they've they've had hands on mm -hmm. with lots of different laptops both Chase and Wes have they mm -hmm. all said really really well built first comment is everybody says this this feels really good it's a little heavier than i expected is the, is the is the second part and you know what it is a little heavy but that sort of lends itself to the very high quality feeling of yeah. the laptop so uh 
it, it is remarkably well built. The hinge is very sturdy, so you know you can walk around. It's one of those laptops that's it's easy to walk around with the laptop, and the screen doesn't bend. Like I'm shaking it right now, and the screen doesn't give at all. So remarkably, remarkably well built. Does not give at all. Like I'm squeezing the sides of the laptop right now. There is no give in the housing. It is absolutely solid. When my wrists, when I'm putting my weight on this and I'm typing, there is no give in the in the housing at all. It just feels extremely sturdy. It feels like I'm pressing on a block of aluminum right now. Really, really, really well built. Here's a picture where you can kind of get an idea of the backlighting. It was hard to really show you the backlighting because uh, I was outside. But you can see there, you can actually very easily read the keys. They, they light up very easily. You can see that the sticker lights up pretty well, too. Not a great picture because I was outside, but it kind of gives you an idea of that. Um, very, very, very close to that MacBook I actually would say if the fact if it wasn't for the fact that the bottom panel if you remove like 14 screws comes off and then you have access to all the components I would say it feels exactly like a MacBook. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That said, that's a good trade-off for me. Being able to remove the panel and replace the battery, the RAM and the hard drives and yeah, still have a very solid feeling machine, that's ever, a pretty good trade-off. Ever, ever left your mouth even when I had my Pixel in in Washington. I ha- I have I haven't heard you uh I haven't heard you say that. I, I got to say, the keyboard is is a big component of it, and I wasn't so sure how they how this would work because I know they don't by standard ship a, an, a, an American U.S. keyboard mm-hmm. uh, uh, because they primarily are fulfilling in in Europe, right? So I wasn't quite sure what the keyboard experience is going to be like. There's no picture I can show you that will show you what the keyboard is like to use. Fantastic keyboard! No, you're going to love this keyboard. Um, yeah, keyboard all the stuff. keys are very responsive. Uh, it has good spacing for a laptop this size. They are they are MacBook chick MacBook chiclet like, but they uh, have a they have a a reasonable amount of travel more than I expected okay. with the keys. But it's okay. not like it's not like mechanical. It's it's very quiet. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really nice. It's really nice. Uh, so that's the that's the physical uh, aesthetics of it. As far as a Linux computer, it's interesting. Um, it's Skylake. So that automatically means you're kind of limited. You kind of are eliminating a couple of distros. Uh, the biggest one for me, because I, I mean, this thing got so close to a MacBook, I thought, what if I tried Elementary OS on it? You know, just to just yeah. just go all in. Because yeah. I thought, wouldn't that make for great pictures with Elementary mm-hmm. OS on the people? Mm-hmm. Would I would be like, do you think this is a MacBook? And I, yeah. I was even joking about this. I was going to be like, do you think it's a MacBook? Hey, do you think this is? Hey, this is the new you MacBook. Tell every, tell I was, well, yeah, was going to be everyone. like, I was going to say, yeah. this is the new MacBook. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, that was. But uh, here's the thing: Skylake and Elementary OS. No, nah, there's 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 no love there. I don't know if it's an a fourteen oh four thing or not. I didn't go any further. Uh, mm-hmm. Thankfully, uh, I, a very nice gentleman. In the chat room, who's there right now? I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not, but uh, he—it looks like Eardrum. Uh, he uh, created a Loki ISO for me of Elementary OS, which is based on 16.04. That worked on here. It's just a little unstable, so I didn't go with it. So I stuck primarily because I did all these as live images. I stuck with the Mate uh, Ubuntu Mate 15.10. Very, very well done. And Entraware, uh, you know, they're. Their their embracing of Ubuntu Mate Edition is kind of interesting because it wouldn't be the first obvious go to for a, a laptop like this. Yeah, no kidding. Right. The result is because you because you have an i7 Skylake with its two cores because it's a laptop, um, and you have eight gigabytes of RAM and you have all of the applications installed on an SSD, and now you're using the Mate desktop. The performance is just 
it smokes everything because it's a super lightweight desktop on very powerful hardware. And so it what you end up getting is a holy crap, fast. this is fast experience. Uh, mm-hmm. So here, let's go through some of the hardware stuff. It has one HDMI port out. It has one USB 3 port, one USB 3.1C port. So this also has USB-C, one USB 2 port. It has a SD card reader. It has audio out, headphones out. Um, and it has a four cell lithium ion battery, 6,300 milliamps. So I guess that I might put that in the other con. Uh, I'm getting pretty solidly four and a half hours of battery life. And what For seems four cell, that's actually really good. Yeah, I know. I've, I've seen as high as like, I've seen as high as quoted as 12, 16 hours online. Entraware doesn't make this claim, but others that are using this same ODM spec, uh, have made that claim. Um, I don't know where they're getting that, but what's weird about that four hours is it's pretty much four hours if I'm browsing the web or if Dylan's playing Minecraft. Like, I, now he didn't play Minecraft for four hours, but I I had probably worn the machine down to, you know, I'd probably burn through an hour and forty five two hours of that, and then he played for like uh-huh. another two and a half hours or something. And he was able to, it didn't really seem to matter what a lot of what I was doing. I was just getting consistently around four, four and a half hours. So I'm going to keep evaluating that because that is, that's a hard thing to properly monitor. And I, w- I was camping too. So I wasn't like I was on the charger very much. Uh, it has, you know, a, a 65 watt charger, I think. So it doesn't charge super crazy fast. Uh, it's been charging since I've been here. I've had it plugged in since 1030 AM and it's, uh, it's now 2 PM. Mm-hmm. And it's eighty-two percent charged, so it's not a super fast charge because it's I okay. think only a sixty-five watt power adapter. Uh, but I wonder. Here, here's one thing you might look at. You might look at the. I'm assuming that the power adapter is probably like, um, you know, high power. One of the generic yes, power. Yes, it is. So what one could do is look for a comparable model in a higher uh, amperage rate and see if you could get a, a you mm-hmm. know charge charge faster. And I mean I. I you I would probably consult them to make sure that that's okay, but um, that might be something I would look into if you are going to use it because having a having the ability to to plug in, especially if you have a short battery life, that means that in between or shorter battery life, that means that in between those, it's going to be really important that you can get back up to one hundred percent quickly, right? Especially if you're in an RV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, or just here, it's nice because you know the machine runs a little cooler and whatnot when it's not charging. Uh, so that the question's been raised in the chat room, and I think this is a good question. Um, do I like it better than the XPS 13, which, you know, is yeah, a pretty okay. pretty solidly built machine? Right. Uh, yes, I would say definitely like it better than the XPS 13. The XPS 13 has always been a little hit and miss for me on, on a few key elements. Trackpad's pretty bad on the XPS 13, worse than this one. And uh, uh, the 4K screen has just always sucked. It's just never, you know, except for GTK3 applications and Chrome now. A lot of stuff is not high DPI under Linux, and so I always uh-huh. kind of regretted the performance and battery penalty I pay for 4K to really not get a whole lot. Uh, so this being 1080p, I just like that better. Uh, I have the uh, LSPCI output in the show notes if you guys are interested in that, too, if you want to you check that out. One thing just to be aware of, too, that I have now discovered is... For better or for worse, this has a standard HDMI output, you know, like a full-size jack, yeah, which yeah, is not right, super yeah, common yeah. on a laptop this size. I don't know if it's the Intel Iris graphics or if it's my monitor or a combination of both, but it would appear that if I want if I, if I want to have a 60 hertz signal, it it would appear Iris graphics maxes out with your ten, with your second monitor being 1080p, and uh, and it's also hmm. possible my monitor, well no because I'm using DVI to, to HDMI. So anyways, 
So the end result is no matter what I hook up externally, the best I get out of this laptop is 1080p. Um, and I have a 2K display upstairs in my office, which would be about as high as I like to go on Linux. 2K is such a sweet spot for me on Linux. So I like having a 2K display as my main display and then the 1080p display as my secondary display. But I think because of Iris Graphics, maybe, I don't know, only sends out 1080p uh, 60 hertz over their uh, HDMI port. But that's just going to be anything with integrated graphics. So uh, that is sort of my long rambly way of saying um, if if integrated graphics are an acceptable trade-off for you, mm-hmm. th- uh, this is when you have this. La- so I have this is how I ended up working towards the end of the week is I hooked this laptop up to an external keyboard and mouse and monitor and speakers and a USB hub and Ethernet. I just went all out. Because I wanted to see, does it feel like a full performance desktop? Does it feel like something that I so forget did, as a laptop? And so, did you do that to test, or is that something? Is it, would that be a normal workflow if you could accommodate it? Uh, both. If, if if this was my main work rig that was like replacing my 2009 desktop, I would hook yeah. this all up. Uh, so here's so here so th- this is going to be my first hit, and, and this is nothing against Enterware because I'm not aware of any other like except for the extraordinarily large manufacturers, and I can think of three. Uh, nobody does this. I really, really, really like having a dock connector because at my office I have uh, I have a 30 inch LG monitor, and I have a keyboard, and I have the, the mouse I like, and my speakers, and a wired Ethernet port, and a power supply. And so when I get in in the morning, I set my laptop down. That's it. No plugging cables in, no stringing things around. No, it, it doesn't look like an octopus. I just set the laptop down. My friend, my friend, welcome to the USB-C era. This is, now it's not perfect. I'll tell you there's been some caveats, but here's how I set this laptop up in workstation mode. So I have a Logitech, uh, big old Logitech keyboard with the flip-up screen. I got yep. a Logitech gaming mouse, and then I have a really high-end audio deck that I use for editing sometimes, so that's just my main audio. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted Ethernet, because... Uh, this doesn't have an Ethernet port. It's Wi-Fi, uh, it which is okay. actually it's funny. My my line is on the when I go 15 inch, I want dedicated graphics and I want Ethernet on a super ultra portable, crazy thin, light laptop. Mm-hmm. My expectations change there. So what it's USB? Funny. But if I'm sitting at my desk working, I need Ethernet speeds. Yeah. USB C gives me gigabit Ethernet. So here's what I have: is I have this, I have this uh, this hub that has the Ethernet. Uh, it has Ethernet and USB 3.0 ports in it. Yeah, I plug gotcha. that into USB-C. That's all my stuff. One cord, all the stuff on my desk. Does One it power cord. It? Huh? Does it power it? Well, you have to hook up power to it. could, though, actually, I believe. Yeah. This, this, this device I have. Now, here's the problem, Noah. It's not 100%, at least not under Linux yet. Like, everything has to be USB 3.0. Otherwise, stuff goes crazy. Like, your audio gets pops and hisses in it, and the Ethernet device drops off the network. Like, it can be a total S-show if you don't get it right. But it is genuinely very close. It's a matter of a couple of driver issues or just getting the right device. Maybe the one I got isn't the right one. And I could one-cord this thing and be totally hooked up to my whole desk. I'm talking everything. Uh, You also have to get external VGA you'd want to use if you want to use external graphics. See that this sounds like we're quickly headed down a, a, a headed down a path. So th- that you have a separate, you have an outboard graphics card, is what you're saying, to be able to get the 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 display hooked up. Uh, ask the question again. So, so say that part want, again. Let's say I want a separate display hooked up. I, I would have to have an external. I would have to have an external graphics driver. Uh, it, you'd have to have in this scenario, you'd have to have something that shows up as a graphics device over USB. What I did is, uh, I just uh, see th- uh, on the Entroware Apollo, the USB-C and HDMI port are right next to each other. So I just, uh-huh. I just use that. Cause that's so if 
if they could put the USB-C connector on the bottom of the computer so I could just set it down, they could get power through it, and they could, so basically a dock connector. And, and they well, could get, somebody's going to create a dock that plugs in a USB-C, and you just plug everything into it. You mark my words, or probably somebody already has. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so anyways, it's close, Noah. I'd be able to take my, where, where I'm at, though, with this thing is I could take this, this tiny little machine and hook it up with, okay, it was three cables, power, USB-C, and HDMI. It's three cables. But three cables, Noah, and I have external USB audio deck. I've got Ethernet. I've got a full-size gaming keyboard and mouse mm-hmm. ready to go. Of course, it's, it's Iris Graphics. But <laughs> it, it, it was so close. I think the big, the big problem for me, and I, I wonder if anybody out there has a workaround. I'd love to be able to get up to the full resolution of my Asus 27-inch monitor, uh, the full 2K resolution, and uh, I'd love to know why my Ethernet was dropping off over USB-C. That, those are problems I'd love to solve, but so close, Noah. So close. It's a really, it's a really great rig, and quiet. It does every yeah. now and then the fans kick up, but it is okay. quiet. The fans was, work. That, it's quiet. That was okay. That was my first question. Was how is the fans? I'm sure yeah. everyone wants to know that. Okay, yeah. my second question is: Does the does the backlit keyboard does it have uh, different levels, or is it an all on, all off kind no, of? That's a good question. Uh, I think it's just all on, all off. Yeah, it's just all on, all off. But it's it's. Oh, actually, no. I shut my face. One, two, three. It's got one, two. It's got two, one, two. It's got two levels of brightness, and then on okay. and off. Yeah. Yeah. High, low, and off. Yeah. Um, how about uh, how about the function keys? Do they function as a utility key or actual function keys? So, for example, if right. I hit F five, does it refresh my web browzer? Yes. Or yes. So, if I hit F five right now, boom! It's refresh. It is refreshing the web browser, Noah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's good. You have to hold down the F N key to get them to function as. Uh, as, Good. And what you get is uh, on the function keys, you have mouse disable, sleep now, you have display brightness, authorization, sound, alter, altering, and uh, also external monitor flipping and Bluetooth turning on and off. One thing I probably should mention is it's got those weirdo, because it's a, it's a smaller laptop, the one area it sacrifices, because you get a nice size escape key, you, uh-huh. get a, you get a great size shift and control. Look at how big those keys are on a tiny laptop, right? Yeah. And nice they put the function full key in the right size way. back key. The only sacrifice you make is. They combine the page up, down, and up. Oh. They the up and down arrows. That's no big deal. It's not too bad. No, no, not at all. Um, so uh, here's my next question. I know that uh, to some degree, you have had some difficulty trying to do production on the road because you have not had a Linux lap. The Linux laptop that you really like is your System seventy six, and that has to stay in the studio. And so. I know that you've struggled for a little bit with finding a mobile rig that you can take out and do production. Can you give me an example of one uh, of when you sat down with this? Are you happy enough with it that you could use it for production? And if so, what what hmm. would be what, what is one thing in your production workflow that you're like, you know what, this solves this problem, and now I can do this stuff on Linux because I have a computer I can take with me and get that stuff done. On I Linux. would say the biggest problem remains uh, if I'm gonna if this would be like an OBS machine that's also doing chat room capture and local screen capture and camera switching, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then obviously recording and live streaming. Mm-hmm. I feel like four core would be nice, and maybe sixteen to thirty two gigs of RAM would be nice. Mm-hmm. Eight gigabytes of RAM and two cores. Kind of means it's not maybe going to do that. It could, because it has the standard 1080p Intel out, it could very easily be the visuals machine. That would be no problem. The audio uh, is on right now. Uh, No hum. So it's got clean audio. I got, so I have the, see if I uh, hold down FN and I uh, bring up, you know, I got, uh, I got audio on right now and it's nice and clean. There's no buzz, which is great for a small laptop. That's not very common. Um, so I don't have to use like a secondary USB interface for that. So I, actually, what the question remains, Noah, is how can USB-C be used in production 
that if this USB, I've never had a machine with USB C that's going to be like a, a daily driver for me. So I think my plan right now is no, this is this is going to be the laptop that Chris Fisher uses for the time, at least for the time being. I don't know for sure because okay. of that that 1080p out. Uh, I can do it, but it's like God, I have this great 27 well, inch monitor. Yeah, well, maybe it doesn't replace your workstation. Well, no, that's the one I need to replace. That thing is getting old and slow. It's bad. It's real bad. No, it's real bad. I, I don't know. I don't know. It would be great because I could have a machine up there that I'd bring down here. I also, the thing is, I really like the form factor on the table out here. It doesn't take up much, much space. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. Wait, just wait till you fly in a plane because I know how much you like flying. But just wait till you fly in a plane with the 13-inch laptop. It worked really nice uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the rig. You know, we had, uh, we, uh, Hadia and I took the kids uh, to Kamano Island over the weekend. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I legitimately like to get Dylan's take on the hardware just because... Uh, he actually has a pretty good eye, and also on top yeah. of that, uh, he's very critical, <laughs> like his old man. And so uh, while we but were camping, not preconceived notions either, right? And while we were camping, I had him try out Minecraft, and you know it uh -huh. fits in the rig really well. And uh, he was able to play Minecraft full screen for like two and a half hours or something total, like not all in one sitting, but total. And he got he got a lot of use out of it. it worked great for him. And uh, it fit really well in the RV. So I, you're right. I think for traveling, it would be a great laptop. I want to wrap up by just saying uh, I'm really impressed with it. And something that it's hard to review, at least with your you know early interactions that just are kind of early in this phase. But I kind of want to give you guys a sense of entraware as well. Um, they're the folks behind this machine, and they make mm -hmm. desktops and laptops uh, and servers. And they really kind of they kind of target the European market. Uh, and I did, so I didn't really have a sense of what they're like as a company, and I'm still learning that. But I'll tell you, uh, it kind of is to me seems like a good sign. They they do seem to follow the shows pretty closely, and the reason why I say that's a good sign is that generally means that they're geeks and they're passionate about this kind of stuff. Because exactly. you generally yeah. don't sit down and watch a show like ours unless you're an enthusiast about this kind of stuff. So that to me seems like a good sign. You know, they sent me a nice letter uh, in the box that just said, thanks for your contributions to open source mm -hmm. and hope you enjoy the laptop. And then, you know, when I took the laptop out in there, they had a uh, USB Ethernet adapter because they knew that Ethernet was part <laughs> of my workflow. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, you know, that's that what that to me was like is like an extra sh level of like customer, you know, like we're trying to make a good impression. They really care. Uh, and there were some stickers in the box and all that kind of stuff. It was it was a really cool out of the box experience uh, that, that felt like the personal touch was there, like people that are actually mm -hmm. into the community. And uh, so and then the, the fact that they work with Ubuntu Mate uh, is also, I think, a, a pretty good sign. So I, I thought they were really nice rigs, um, and they unfortunately just don't ship them in the U.S. And I don't know if maybe they were, if there's enough people that could get organized, they might. But uh, on the Linux Unplugged last week, we had the uh, co-founder join us to talk really briefly about it, and I was doing my first hands-on impressions uh -huh. of this machine. Do you have any other questions there, sir? Um, I guess my my last wrapping question, same one I asked you last week, is if you had a family member, a close friend, come to you and say, "I'm in the market for a new laptop." What would you recommend? Like, I mean, is is this something that you're going to go to and say, uh, you know, you ask, uh, yeah, you, have, you ask the first question, you know, what do you use it for? Well, I use it to check my email, watch YouTube videos, browse the internet a little bit, and have some web conferencing, whatever. Is this the computer that is? This wow, yeah, boy, that question just got a lot harder to answer now. Um, so, first of it's going to depend on your location. It's going to depend where you're at, but well, for sake of argument, for, so that we can review the laptop in it, 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 a, a, as apples to apples. Let's say, for sake of argument, they ship to the U.S. Because I mean, the, the, the target market is the yeah, UK. Yeah, I think this is definitely a consider. This is definitely a contender. Um, I would say, uh, if you want an ultra portable machine that feels built like a MacBook, this is a serious one to look at. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think Enterware too, as they sort of become more and more established, uh, they're going to be probably eventually shipping over here, I would imagine. So eventually that might become a reality, uh, and then it really will become a serious consideration. Um, I so I can't really think of any reason why you wouldn't want to buy it, uh, unless you want dedicated graphics or you want a larger screen. Uh, the one ding I would give it for me personally would be the 8 gigs of RAM and the HDMI out. That's going to be my biggest limitation, but I can work with it for a bit and see how that goes. It's a pretty good setup. So, yeah, Noah, and, I think there, like, I would like for basically, I guess the way to answer your question is, is, is I would recommend it to you. Okay. So I and I would recommend it to pretty much anybody else too. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's that was my question. Was when you get the average Joe that maybe doesn't uh, that maybe isn't that, that maybe doesn't know what they're looking for in a laptop. It does Linux become a more viable option because it, it is being sold on on really uh, on a really solid competitive hardware that would compete with you know uh, some of the more traditional choices. You know, I think it does, and I think also. Uh, I think the bar is getting raised on a couple of different levels. Now we have we have a spectrum of laptops from a bunch of different manufacturers, and each one is kind of going after a different market. And uh, so now it's kind of like uh, in, before there would be a laptop to pick. There was a like, well, if you really want a good one, or you could take a stab at a Lenovo and have a pretty good shot that everything was going to work, or a ThinkPad, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and now it's like, well, do you want something that's built like a MacBook? Or do you want something that's going to have a lot of compute power? Or do you want something that really, really tries to respect your freedoms? Like, we have these different slices now to go after, uh, that depending mm-hmm. on the type of Linux user. And in each freaking category, there's like really good choices now. And this one, this one spans a lot of those. So, yeah, the Apollo is pretty good stuff. And I'd say uh, hats off to Enterware. They seem to be pretty tuned into the community and uh, they seem to be pretty great folks. So, it seems like a pretty great company to buy from if you can. And the hardware is pretty great too. So, I have more information in the show notes, including the hardware output, uh, who I believe the ODM is based on my, my research, but uh, take or leave it because you can never know what kind of customizations they really do afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're in the area, you can check them out. Their website is over at entraware.com. And uh, they also have some other rigs there. Pretty cool. And uh, I'll be giving the Apollo some extended uses, uh, extended use. So, I'll probably have thoughts and comments ongoing as I use it. I may eventually. Uh, replace Ubuntu Mate uh, 1510. I may keep it on there and try going to 1604. I haven't really made up my mind yet because it's working pretty good. And now that I got my ping applet indicator, I'm pretty much in business, Noah. I cool. give you 30 days before you blow it away and put Arch on that machine. You think that long, huh? Yeah, no, I, I, within thirty days. I'm yeah. not. I'm not entirely convinced you'll make it another week before you decide to put our China. But, but for sure, no. But for sure, I will not be sitting at Linux Fest Northwest, and you will not have not have put our on that. Way. I'm going to bring it to oh. Linux Fest. I'm going to bring that, and I'll bring the Librem to Linux Fest Northwest. So okay. uh, we'll have them both there, and you guys can check them out, and we'll see if it's running Ubuntu Mate or Arch. It, you know what? It's really going to come down to if I uh, uh, if I end up putting it in the studio or not. I think that's probably will be. It'll see. I like how quiet it is, and I like the size. I like the footprint on the uh, table. That's really nice too. So there you go. That's the Linux Action Show's look at Entraware's Apollo. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. We got some important feedback to get to. We're going to do emails this week. We're going to focus on that because I think it's, uh, well, you guys will find out. But first, I want to thank our segment sponsor here, and that is System76. Thank you to System76. Not only have they been around for a decade, creating machines designed, born to run Linux, they've got the full range, like the frickin' Oryx 
Pro. Don't you know somebody that just ordered Norix Pro? I, yeah, one of my one of my one of my employees. He 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 was he. You know how I'm 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 kind of a bad influence on people when it comes to to spending money on Linux. If you haven't noticed, yeah. And so he made the colossal mistake of telling me he's like, I was kind of thinking about uh, that System seventy six Orange mm-hmm. Pro. I've mm-hmm. played. It's amazing. It's yeah. beyond amazing. Like yeah. like Chris took it back and like he got addicted to it. And then I was mm-hmm. playing it. And that, that was before they even perfected it. And so I just start spamming him. I'm like, have you ordered it? Have you ordered it? Have you? And so finally, like two days after that, he sends me the screen cap and he's like, yep, I ordered it. I'm like, yay, I'm stealing it for the first week. Yeah, I think what impressed me, I mean, the Oryx, it's, it's a big machine, uh, but it ends up being much thinner than I expected. Because, you know, it, it's actually, it's ba- basically, it's the thickness of an Ethernet port. Uh, mm-hmm. But what you get in there is a full-on NVIDIA GeForce GPU, desktop class uh, CPUs in there. I mean, super fast G- uh, CPUs, up to six. 64 gigabytes of RAM, aluminum alloy design. I mean, it is a crazy great rig. Nice keyboard, backlit keyboard, 9700M or 980M mobile processors in this thing. And you know what's great about it? I really got to try this rig. What's great about ordering? Well, you have tried it. I know, but the final, I mean, I want to put the final version, I want to put Arch on there, I want to actually try it. You know, I used it, I used it uh, for a short period of time while we were there, and I got to use it like, well, I mean, it was an extended test. I took it into my hotel room and well, let's just say I had some time with it in the hotel room all night and had to take it back. And you know what I'm saying? I, I used it overnight to prepare last. God, you guys, get your heads out of the gutter. Jeez Louise. So uh, the th- the th- one of the things I've always appreciated about ordering uh, computers from System76, and this is becoming more and more clear, is it's never a gamble, right? Like – you know how we're t- we're talking about like you said when you pulled the you pulled the intro away, even though it wound up being a great machine you pulled it out and you expected it to be a smaller version of the of, of the Libram and then and then things were different but you just didn't quite know what to expect. Uh, the machines that I've ordered from System Seventy Six that thought has never once entered my mind. Mm. I know that if I go and place an order, it within a week I, I'm going to a, a computer is going to arrive. I'm going to pull it out of the box and I'm just going to start using it. In fact, so much so that the last machine we ordered from System Seventy Six. Uh, we had plans on how to use it for a very important project, and I planned all of that around a day before the uh, System76 computer arrived because I had that much confidence that it was just I was going to pull it out and I was going to use it and I wasn't going to have any problems with it. And uh, they have desktops as well, uh, a whole range of laptops. Check them out at system76.com. Great rigs. I've uh, been a customer for a decade and uh, highly recommend them. Uh, and I, geez, that Oryx. I'm, every time people tell me when they order, people like to torture me. They like tweet me or yeah. send, email me. Hey, I just got the Oryx. I'm like, oh, telegram telegram yeah. screen. People jump into the mumble room for LEP and then they don't even hang around. They're just like, hey, Chris, I got the Oryx and they're out. I'm like, oh my God. All right, Noah. So will you take our first email that came in from Todd over at Librum? Yeah. So Todd writes in. He says, dear Chris, the team here at Purism was pretty embarrassed when we saw your oh, Librum. Yeah, Purism. Purism, sorry. Purism was pretty embarrassed when we saw your Librem 15 review on the Linux Action Show. Ouch. After all, we're not the, we are not some faceless corporation. We really do care about the quality of what we deliver. We work long hours. Many of us are volunteers. We're not doing this, uh, we're not doing this for the money. Quite a few of us work day jobs and contribute to this project in our spare time. We have a mission to create a beautiful, high-end, privacy-respecting hardware. We plan to be the world's most secure computer someday, and we're getting close because we deeply care about privacy. It's not a marketing message for us. It's 100% what we are about. While we offer and have given refunds, most of our backers have held on. They are supporting this mission by funding us as we are unlikely to fund a Libra project without with conventional VC funding. And that review hurts. It hurts because we know that we can do better. You are one of the first backers, and as a squeaky wheel, you got one of the first Librams. These I are I am kind of squeaky. Huh? I am kind of <laughs> squeaky. 
the these are more like alpha machines and are not a hundred percent ready for prime time. We felt pressured to ship in order to honor our words, so these early Librams were sent to a few backers who insisted they wanted this earlier run. Again, if anyone isn't happy, we asked them to return their Librum to exchange it for one of these later production unit units. As you can see on Crowd Supply website, most of our backers have stuck it out and waited. The wait for the Libra 13 was only three months after we completed the crowdfunding launch, June 22nd, 2015, funded in August 2015. We shipped our first batch in November 2015, and we're completing our shipments for the Libra 13 this month. Libra 15, however, has been plagued with supply chain nightmares. The Libra 15S are assembled and waiting in the factory floor until April 2016 while we wait for screens from Samsung. All of these delays and changes were announced in emails to our backers, blog posts, and on social media. Um, you will get a very small, the CEO states, you will get a very small interim run of Libra 15 Rev 2 1080p before we get the final run off. The Libra 15 Rev 2 4K, which addresses nearly all of your comments, uh, we have had very, very significant issues with the supply chain for the Libra 15, but have not had these problems with the Libra 13. We'd like to send you our production unit of the Libra 13 for review. It's has It has polished kill switches and a pop-down internet jack on all the features we promised and more. Can you please send us a safe shipping address where this can be delivered? All the so, best, Todd Libra CEO. So uh, uh, thank you to Todd for emailing that in. Uh, we've met we've met Todd before. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have accepted his offer to ship us a Librem 13. Noah will be doing that review. Mm -hmm. uh, because Noah, I think, is really the perfect candidate to review a 13-inch laptop. And I still feel like I want to spend... <clears throat> so for those of you who don't know, Entraware sent this laptop to me. This isn't like a temporary review unit. They sent this to me. Mm -hmm. but, and so my intention is is to make best on that and and do prolonged testing to really yeah. you know like these bonobos from system 76 you know when i come on the air and i tell you system 76 makes computers designed to run linux i'm telling you i have two of these more expensive ones that i run 24 7 for multiple years in my studio like right i have multiple I literally rely on i literally them. have a decade of experience with system 76 hardware so i feel very yeah. comfortable recommending them mm -hmm. i want to start to build that same relationship with entraware because i like where they're going and so uh i plan to use this for a long time there are issues about the way purism has handled this that do not necessarily make me super enthusiastic about establishing a long-term relationship with them, but do make me hopeful for where they're going. I like the points that they touch on. Uh, specifically, I like them bringing up privacy and security, and I like them putting effort behind that. Mm -hmm. um, that said, there's always interactions with them that leave me kind of questioning what's the true motivation. Often... There'll be things that are misnotes that feel like if this was truly the focus of the product, then why do X? But instead of instead of talking about stuff in the past, like this this email, for example, it, it gives me some concern. So this email is signed here from uh, Todd Weaver, the CEO of mm -hmm. Purism, who but we've then met. It says Todd says, yeah, and and but then it's but then somewhere in the email it says Todd right. Weaver, our CEO, states. So then is Todd referring to himself in the third person, or did somebody else write this and then Todd signed it, or is this some sort of weird copy and paste that happened when they sent us the email? So the email is supposedly prefaced as coming from Todd, but then in the email it points out uh, points that Todd has made uh, separately. Um, I think I did make it pretty clear that in my review that I understood it was an early backing, and I looked at it as sort of like a like a like a kit car. I looked at it as a as a kit laptop, um, and so I, I think I did try to approach the review from that standpoint that I understood that it was sort of a first attempt. In fact, I'm pretty sure I even said such that uh, that in the review. Um, mm. 
So I actually I stand by the review pretty confidently. I I think I you know uh, I don't it doesn't doesn't really matter uh, if there's a difference of opinion. I still stand by the review. I I think it probably all stands. However, that said, I don't think that's necessarily going to affect the 13 inch review. Those are completely right. separate products. Um, yeah. And also, Noah will be doing that review too, just so that way there's no bias there. Um, and I, I hope that they can create a company that sells computers that make people think more about privacy and security. Mm-hmm. Um, there was communication during the uh, crowdfunding campaign about some of the changes, but there was a lot going on. It was kind of hard and confusing to follow. And uh, it was never quite clear on, on why, where the delay was at when there was like a long, protracted, extended delays. So that was all very difficult to go through and didn't set a great taste in the mouth. Um, but I understand what Todd's trying to pull off is pretty difficult. It's, it's something that's harder, harder than anything I'd ever want to take on. So I give him that. Uh, and I appreciate them being proactive. You know, I mean, they've been really reaching out a lot and uh, they seem pretty engaged. And they seem to be pretty attuned to these issues, and they uh, they seem to be pretty passionate about it. So that's all good. Um, but I think the the Librem 15 is what it is for me. I it doesn't matter if the 13 inch version uh, has an Ethernet port and uh, uh, has better switches to kill the Wi Fi. Um, right. I wanted a 15 inch laptop with a dedicated graphics and an Ethernet port. I if if I would have known that was a laptop I would have got, I would have spent that eighteen nineteen hundred dollars. On a different laptop. I was just going to say, and more importantly, you bought a fifty. Not just you wanted. Not to, it's not like what what are they sending me? Oh, look, I got. I uh, really would have preferred that. No, you purchased. You had an agreement to purchase a specific piece of hardware. Um, and and it, that also doesn't necessarily. I, it's not addressing the fact that I don't believe mine is the only laptop with these fan issues. I'm not. I, I'm not clear on if the fan issue is a, simply a matter of a proprietary blob. Well, that compromise was already made for the Intel microcode. It feels like that that compromise could have been made so that way it was usable. I mean, I literally disconnected the fan and have left it disconnected. Some people have sent me fixes, which I will look into, but I wanted to put my attention in the Apollo for now. I will double back on the Librem later, though, and try to fix it up. So that said, thank you to Todd for reaching out, and I I agree. It does look like the 13-inch is a a pretty competitive product, and uh, I think they had better success with that one because they simply went with maybe a different hardware provider. So I'll be curious to see what your thoughts are, Noah, when you do get it. And when you do, we'll have a yep. review of it here on the show. Okay. Tyler B. writes in about DigitalOcean. He said, I wanted to write to say that I absolutely love DigitalOcean. I've been using them early uh, since the sponsor of the show, and I initially started using them as a host for my QuasoCore, and then to host images to share with people. After this weekend, I now use them as a small own cloud instance to help simplify the process of uploading and sharing those pictures, as well as a Quasal web client so I can access my QuasoCore from my web browser. That's cool. The Qua- I've been wanting to play with the Quasal web clients. It's good to get Tyler's uh, input on that. The guys were extremely helpful when it came to setting up own cloud, setting up a subdomain for it, and properly configuring Nginx. I'm glad DigitalOcean is a sponsor, JB, and thanks. I hope they're here for a long time. And that is not a paid spot. That is... Yeah. yeah. If anything, if you think about it, that costs us money because we could have used that in the ad, but we chose to use it as, as genuine feedback. So mm-hmm. it's genuinely true. And I think it is a... You could replace DigitalOcean with anything and maybe get some of these same results. But the, what the secret sauce with DigitalOcean is, is that it really is simple to set up. It really is low cost and the guides are pretty good. And what I like about that is it actually is... what What is... Okay, look at Dig, uh, DigitalOcean is the VPS here, but it could have been anything. And what he is is he's playing with own cloud, he's playing with Quasal Core, he's playing with Causal Web Client. These are all three open source projects, and they're all running on top of an open source operating system. And that's, you know, when we talk about 
that that closing that final gap to making things a little bit easier. That's why even though jails and zones and LXE containers were around long before Docker came around, Docker made containers a thing because they closed that gap and they made it easy to do Docker run name. And now all of a sudden you have a container, right? They made containers easy and simple and Git-like. And DigitalOcean has made virtual servers easy, simple, and very straightforward. And that closing that final gap makes it possible for people who never would have spun up a server before to now go run these really cool open source projects. And when anywhere in technology, when we just sort of round off that final rough edge, I think a lot of us here often will go, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's just a usability thing. And so we'll write off something like elementary OS as just, eh, it's just a fancy, it's just a fancy theme sitting on top of Ubuntu. When in reality, closing that final gap, destroying that uncanny valley, finishing yeah. that 10% makes all of the freaking difference and, in adoption. Ten percent of the ten percent of the uh, uh, of the work, and I use the term work very loosely. But ten percent of the the work, ten percent of the changes affects ninety percent of people's decision whether or not to use that product or to go forward. Right? That's true, sir. All right, I'll take this last one. We'll just go through this one real quick. Uh, okay. Paulo P writes in. Uh, Hi, Chris and Noah, longtime Jupiter fan, Patreon here. Hey, right on. I'm looking for a time tracking solution that works across multiple platforms. Basically, I want to track my time when I'm out, you know, with the no internet kind of PC. Uh, and then when I'm on the internet, uh, I want my Arch machine at home when I'm uh, running uh, around either with my Android phone or tablet, tracking these different things all the time from one platform. He looked at rescuetime.com slash features and think it will solve my problems, but he's wondering if there's an open source solution that might work better. But he, again, Windows PC, Windows laptop, and an Android phone all got to be able to do this in one time. One of these machines, he even doesn't even have internet access from one of them. Is this possible, Noah? I, I don't know. I, I the, the reason I, I threw it in the feedback segment is I'm also looking for a similar uh, solution. Now, I don't really care if it's cross-platform. All I would have to do is just need to run on Linux. Sounds like a web page does. is what you need. But, uh, yeah, of course, but if you need I, it offline. Exactly. Like him, I need to be able to use it offline and online. So hmm. if anyone out there knows of, of a software, um, you know, preferably if it's cross-platform, but I'd even take it if it was just Linux. Uh, if, if such a piece of software exists, let us know. Uh, uh, and he wants to know, too, by the way. He'd like mm -hmm. to actually track the applications he uses on those platforms. I don't know if you caught that, but he's not just what he spends his mm -hmm. time, but how he spends it with those applications. And I don't know if you need that, but that's some that's an extra twist there. No, no, I would just need to know where I am. They, mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what I'm doing for him. They're paying me as long as I'm standing in the doorway. So. Geolocation <laughs> then would be nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> track me. <laughs> All right, you want to send us an email? Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com/slash/contact and choose Linux Actions from the drop down. Next week we'll probably be taking calls. It just depends on if we remembered to tell Rotten Corpse to stream calls or not. It's sometimes we don't because I was playing with the hardware. I know. I get distracted. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com is where you go to submit content, content, apps, um, spotlights, the, you know, projects you think we should spotlight, or feedback. We'll have a thread just for this episode, LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. It's just a great place for news, too. And uh, I, don't, I would advocate for you guys to maybe get in the comments and share your thoughts because uh, when we get a good discussion going there, you can sometimes get me to reevaluate my spots, my position sometimes, and I find that to be pretty cool. As long as it's uh, friendly and respectful, it can be a pretty great conversation. So linuxactionshow.reddit.com. You don't even have to be a Reddit member if you just want to go look. But one more thing. If you are there and you are logged in, do please vote. It, it does matter, and uh, it helps us get an idea of the types of stories you guys like. It's not our only source for feedback, but it's, you know, it's like up to 7,000 or more members. How many... It's like ridiculous well, the nice, now. The so. nice thing about Reddit is Reddit allows you and actually the entire team really to put to offset a large amount of work onto the community because essentially if there's a story that's crap, <clears throat> if there's a story that's that's fud that's not true, 
the community vets that stuff for us. And yeah. so get to the end of the week, the stories that are on top, if there's 35 upvotes, right, and everyone's commenting on it, chances – I mean, it's not a foolproof thing. Chances are – that's a that's a good story. That's something that 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 people want to talk about and they want to hear about. And it take it's so quick to hit that little arch or mm-hmm. the little apple, which I know aren't arch and apple, but I really like the arch and apple. Uh, but it's I so have cool. penguin feet. I have. Penguin I know. Feet. I know. I know. Rotten Corpse wanted to make it, you know, yeah. prettier. I, I really like the arch and the apple though. But th- it's so quick to do that that uh, it, that that do it. It's yeah. Quick. Nine thousand three hundred active members, or, or at least members over there. Twenty four people there right now. Let's see if we refresh it now that we've talked about it on the live stream. Refreshing. We now up oh, still twenty four people there, uh, and that's a good way to submit content to the show. But like Noah was saying, uh, you kind of were touching on it, but you didn't quite you didn't quite mention it. The subreddit was established after we had like a bogus story or like a a, a, a false information story. Make it well, on. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to rehash. Yeah, well, no, I just say you know we, we had a we had a story that was like bad news. It was basically it was a story like I don't want I don't want to have inaccuracies in the news segment, and so. One of the things we started doing was taking some of the input from the subreddit to help make sure that we vetted stories before they made it in here. And so that's why the comments and the voting do actually make a difference, because the original intention of that th- of that subreddit is to make sure that the stories and the projects we we feature in here, we have a complete picture. And and to that end, uh, you know, there, like with the Mint hack and, and others, there have been people in there that have added very valuable information in the comments. And I'll try to toss them some Reddit gold from time to time, too, if you care about those kinds of things. So I do try to thank people in the subreddit. All right, that's enough time talking about the subreddit. Uh, that'll, well, that'll wrap it up for this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. Go follow him on Twitter, at Colonel Linux. See why, see the complicated question that he's asking his mom. That's gotten you like a bajillion retweets. People love that question. I, I, I inadvertently asked my mother how to suspend a computer on XFC or on on uh, on on uh, Xmonad. Yeah. I asked her how I can lock the screen on Xmonad, and uh, she had absolutely no idea. It's what pretty. I was it's talking. pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And I realized I was asking the wrong person. <laughs> Go check it out, Colonel Linux. I am at Chris Alias. Follow the network at Jupiter Signal, and follow us for live times at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We'd love to have you join us live on a Sunday at noon Pacific at jplive.tv. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. We'll see you right back here next week. Hey, did you see that uh, SteamOS now supports Vulkan? That's a heck of a thing. That was fast. Chris, I'm becoming a gamer. You're going to be very happy. Like, what? You, Tell me about yeah, this. I know. You, when, you, when you start doing Valve, you, you won't have to stop. Like, you, you, I you won't, won't have to explain what things are. I'll just be like, hey, we're yeah. in Valve time. And we'll just be able yeah. to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I understand that noise now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy with the, with the red thing. Yeah, that's their stinger. So, yeah. So I got uh, basically right around the time that Emma was born, I, I, I a bunch of my friends convinced me that I needed to game more. And so... I purchased a gaming rig with a gaming display and a gaming keyboard and a gaming mouse, and I installed games, and now I play games, and so I'm a gamer. Hmm, I'm not. I'm not buying this for some reason. Yeah, you're not selling I'll, me. I'll, I'll take you. I'll take a picture when I get home. But they, which but, games are you playing, and how often are you playing them? Well, Counter Strike Global Offensive. Uh-huh. And, and well, hold on a second now. Here, as far as how often am I playing? I got from zero, like I started the game, all the way up to level three, which which requires four thousand experience points in between each level. By the way. And I, I, I have I have accomplished that in like three and a half days. So, a lot. You know, I can just go check on Steam how many hours you've played on the game. Yeah, well, you can. I, I don't know. It's probably someone. Let's see if I can find out. Let's go see if we can it's find been, out. It's been probably. Are you Colonel hours. Linux on uh, on Colonel, Steam? Colonel, we are friends on Steam. Are, are we are we friends on Steam? Colonel Linux. Yeah. Geez, see when I, I always see the yellow thing. When I like, Steam Linux Steam profile. See when I search for Colonel Linux Steam profile, I get. Uh, 
Oh, here we go. Steam profile. No, that's you're not in the. You're, hey, Noah, are you in the UK? Are, are you no. in the UK, Noah? No. Hmm. I wonder if no. the chat room no. could now no. find it. So here we go. So boy, the, the apparently SteamProfile.co.uk has got you figured out. By the way, you're clean mm -hmm. according to them. So oh, if you've been labeled clean, good. I don't know exactly what that is, but for some reason you're you're vac clean, your community that's clean, not, and your trade clean. That's not me, I don't think. That's your face, dude. I mean, that's my face. That's one of my Steam profiles, but I don't think that's the one I'm playing under. Why? You don't think you're Colonel Lennox? No, I, I, I do, but I just... Uh, yeah, hey, chat room, can anybody... Hey, chat room, anybody can find uh, Noah's uh, time playing? I, I want to know. I guess I could... I mean, I could log into Steam. Yeah, and oh, then boy. click on But see, this, pro this, this Apollo hasn't been added to Steam yet. I don't think I've played any Steam games on it. Really? Yeah, yeah, because I was camping. Although, I did play a lot of Minecraft. Dylan played, like, hours of Minecraft on this thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so that's the thing. So I can confirm the thing can play Minecraft on battery power for quite a while. Well, that's good. That is a confirmed. Uh, he drained my battery down completely, actually. Uh, I had it I had it like at 75% and he took it the rest of the way. <laughs> Vac bans are global for various games and you get caught cheating. So you haven't been caught cheating, dude. Yeah, I know. That's why I have multiple Steam accounts. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I kind of believe you because you were a little too fast with that. You were like Johnny on the spot with that answer. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. The, the problem is that people, you turn it almost into like a game. It's like, it's kind of like penetration testing and computer games all in one. The problem for me is I really don't give two shits about yeah. active gaming. So, so you kind then, of like to... I like to I like to play with things, and that that's that's my that's my idea of playing. With Colonel, things. okay, so now I'm at Colonel Linux ID Colonel Linux. Is this you with the cartoon? You is that yeah, that's you? That's, okay, that's okay. me. So find me. All right, so you so I like I like that I like that uh, apparently your top play game Noah by by huge margins actually raised the sun. <laughs> okay, well, uh, some tell me it's a different Noah playing that one, but no, that's that's me. Really, twenty one hours of raised the sun. That that's me. Yeah, no, little Noah has his own. Uh, twenty one hours in the past two weeks. Is that that's possible? Right. There's no. no way. Okay. No. Twenty-four right. hours on record, total, dude. That must be total, huh? Yeah, it's total. That's total ever played. Yeah. 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 Well, no, twenty-one. No, recent activity twenty-one point eight hours. That oh, must that's be, total. You're right. Of all the yeah, games. Sorry, my bad. That sounds right. That sounds right yeah. because that would be since Emma was born. You've played twenty-four hours just alone since uh, uh, in the last two weeks on yeah. uh, on Counter Strike Go. Yeah, that sounds right. So you are playing. You are. You yeah, are. Yeah. Holy smokes, yeah, ladies I and gentlemen. We have our. You know what? You know what? You've been. You know what you get. And an honorary. You've unlocked gamer status. That's pretty oh, impressive. Now you level up. Now I'm. I'm. I'm being told by my gamer friends that I need to learn to do gamer smack talk better. <laughs> they've been. They've been working with me to speak more. Derogatory. So, uh, Eardrum there in the chat room uh, built me an elementary Loki beta ISO, which is based on Ubuntu 16.04. Mm -hmm. And uh, I gotta say, man, uh, it's locked up on me a little bit, but uh, I think I'm getting excited about 16.04. I think it's gonna be a pretty good release. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm running it actually on my laptop right now. Oh, are you? I, th I was thinking yeah. about it, but I think I'm gonna wait a, a little bit longer just to keep getting a, a better mm -hmm. feel of the uh, Apollo as it ships by default, but then I'll yeah. probably... Right now, it, it, it is. It's there are there are a lot of things, and I mean, I know conceptually that this is not Canonical's fault, but like, so for example, half my software doesn't work on it. Like, I can't install OBS because the the the, the PPA there's nothing built for for sixteen oh four. This is why I don't do it too. And, and again, yeah, AUR doesn't have these problems. I'm not trying to make it. Again, sorry, I keep comparing it, but that is another thing that keeps me off from using the latest and greatest Ubuntu is. Uh, 
And here's something I want to do. I want to play with the new uh, uh, QMU and KVM 3D acceleration stuff. Where it's passing through 3D acceleration yeah. stuff, but you yeah, got yeah, 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 to yeah. have the latest. You got to have the latest kernel, which means yeah. going to the 1604 Arch. But if I go to 1604, all the PPAs I use break. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and maybe well, there's and sometimes there's new PPAs out there. But anyways, besides that problem, any other issues? Yeah, uh, there's some weird things. Like so, for example, Spotify, or actually, really, uh, the the two music players that I have, Spotify being the one that comes to mind. Um, it used to be in 1404. When I closed it, it would just it would close up to the the up to the uh, little the uh, system track icon thing, what, uh, the the top icon, and then it would continue to run. And I the hotkeys would still work if I wanted to advance songs or something like that. Now, when you close it, just shut Spotify down altogether. And I don't know if I should be mad at Spotify or if I should be mad at 1604, but it's the same. That is really strange because it doesn't do that on any of my other machines. But I don't have any Unity desktops yeah. at the moment. But I got. Uh, so, I mean that 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 was one of the that was one of the irritating things, and then uh, FFmpeg was weird too because it, it used to be you had to use a PPA because they had their own forked version of FFmpeg, and now it's different because they've gone back or something about the the PPA conflicts. Uh, it, it it just it screwed everything up when I tried to install FFmpeg, and so I but I only needed FFmpeg for OBS, so I was like, well, I guess. I'd so the it. elementary OS guys are working on a. Uh... Like a like a slim down, really hyper focused uh, app store. So it, oh, yeah? they, they have like an app store, and it's it's not really filled out yet. It's definitely this thing is oh. elementary OS uh, Loki is beta, and so that's why they don't they don't even make ISOs really available. You have to build them yourself. Um, and it did it did freeze on me a few times, but uh, that, by the way, you remind me that's another thing that doesn't work in sixteen oh four. So they have this new software. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I was curious about that. It doesn't like so. When I double click on a uh, on a deb file, now it opens with uh, like with an it unpacks it like it tries to extract it, which I don't want to happen when I double click on a dot deb. So I had to install gdebi or or, or, or it, I don't know. Just so it, I'm sure that I, like again, I'm sure that this is unfair, and I'm sure they'll have this fixed by the time it ships. And then the other thing is when you go into the software this new software store and try and find things, it doesn't find anything. And so I had to use AppGet to install the old software center. I, I don't know. It just or you do everything from the command line, but th that's fine for me. But it's not fine for my wife. I don't know. I'm, it, it, it's it's a it's a pile of problems. But like this is I don't is this even alpha? I think it's alpha. It's like alpha version. What? So it's, no, it's getting close. I mean, it's April that yeah. it ships. In fact, yeah. it, does it ship during Linux Fest? Uh, what is the ship date for Ubuntu sixteen oh four? I don't know, but it'll be late. It always is late. No, no, there, no, no, no. It's Fedora. Oh, it's, it's, it's always late. late. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like right on Linux Fest Northwest. So the weekend, the weekend, the Sunday before Linux Fest Northwest, we'll probably do our Ubuntu review. This is uh, one of the. I'll this, pull up my laptop right before I leave and install. Ubuntu. Yeah, this is probably uh, one of my most anticipated Ubuntu releases in a long time. Really? Mm -hmm. Why do you say that? Well, sixteen oh four is an LTS. I always yep. take extra time with those. Yep. Uh, but on top of that, you've got uh, you've got ZFS support officially, which we're about to talk about in the news segment. So you got yep. official ZFS support, which means I've now got a Linux-based server OS that I like to use. Ubuntu is one of my favorite server OSs, right? LTSs with built-in ZFS support. So that's a huge deal for me right there, uh, which means pretty much anything that has any kind of file storage functionality for me is probably going to be Ubuntu LTS 16.04. Um, so also, I'm really curious to see the new App Store, to see how the new Software Center works out. I'm really happy about uh, online search being turned off by default. I'm curious yeah. to see how Unity 7 holds up, because it's probably one of the last big hurrahs for Unity 7. So I want to try to give that one more. I want to live in that and give it one more go through. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then and then last but not least, uh, you got the newer kernel, which means there's a bunch of stuff I've been wanting to do in Ubuntu that I haven't been able to do for a long time, like the 3D pass through. Mm -hmm. Then now we get to try in an Ubuntu setting, which 
has more relevance. And so I'm looking forward to trying that too. Yeah, I'm really excited. And I know this, I, I know you're just going to make fun of me. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm really excited to upgrade my operating system because at this point, my operating system is two years old. And so, so, wait, be- so what, your main work rig is stuck to 1404 this whole you know, time? Here's, here's, here's what happened was I, I had my, my main machine that I, that I live on at, at home uh, has, has run and probably always will run Fedora. But I've started using Ubuntu on my laptop because I have run into just too many problems where somebody asks me a question and I'm like, I know how to do that in Fedora, but I really have no idea how to fix that in a button. And it got to be embarrassing. So I started to, I forced myself, even though it's not my, it's not a preferred uh, environment. I forced myself to use um, uh, Ubuntu on here. And um, there are things that I, I definitely like about Ubuntu over Fedora. And there's still things I definitely like about Fedora over, over Ubuntu. So I, it's all right. I don't really like running multiple distros though. It, I'll it, tell it, you. It, yeah, I don't either. I, I have always wanted to install a Linux and use that one Linux for years. I've always wanted to do that. Something about that just feels like uh, like bu- like building a home. Like I'm, yeah, I'm carving yeah, yeah, out a yeah, spot, yeah. and it's like yeah. it's, it's cuss because yeah. after that two years, it's gonna be just for me. It's like it's my Linux. Right. Uh, yeah. But, you know, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, so the thing is, is I can never, I can never do that because of software incompatibilities and library incompatibilities. Maybe when, when sandboxing still- and Docker will will maybe change that up. But say I got six. This is never going to happen. But say I got sixteen oh four on this machine and I wanted to run it just like that for two years. That would be if I could actually pull that off. I, I've only ever done that with Mac OS, and on Mac OS, I'm not as really aggressive about trying new applications because they're more they're more of tools for me. So I can just let yeah. them sit there and essentially not have to touch them. And so, yeah, I, I can get an OS two years old because, if, my God, I don't want anything else to happen to the thing. But under Linux, I like I want to try out Corebird. It's just I like to go sure. to that one because if you're on 1404, it's yeah. a pain in the ass. So I want right. to try out Corebird. Awesome. Or, yeah, or sometimes like there's weird things, like Telegram is weird on some of the older Linux eyes. Uh, so I... I always end up bailing. You know the 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 thing is, and this this became. Uh, it's funny you mentioned this because I was just noticing this a couple nights ago when I was installing sixteen oh four. Is I have gotten to a point now in in Ubuntu. It used to be where I'd have to everything I needed to do. I had to go research, figure out. Oh, how do I do this in Ubuntu? How? And I was as I was sitting at my Ubuntu machine last night. I sit down. I open the terminal. And I'm like, applications I need: Inkscape, GIMP, VLC, VirtualBox. And I, like I start banging them out, and that goes. And I'm like, okay, while well, that's going, then I, I go in. And the laptop I have 1604 installed is 1366 by 768. So I'm like, well, I'll go into the uh, Display Manager and, and scale it down so I get a little bit more desktop real estate. And and then uh, you know I go through and increase the backlight. And I have like this this process and it is it became so fluid and as i was it's almost as if like i was watching myself do this and i'm like man i, I kind of have this down to a fine science like i know exactly where to go and what to do to fix everything whereas i, I know your step your approach is kind of like you use something until it bothers you and then you change it and then you use something a little bit more until you change it i do I, have I, some baseline stuff i have to change right yeah but like resolutions think, and backgrounds and and uh and uh, like for me, it's more about certain software that has to be installed. Right. Uh, yes. Yep. Going and back could- to the old install, you know, uh, uh, I forgot who mentioned in the chat room now because it's already scrolled by because it's a little bit ago. A good point was brought up that uh, I, my my Arch installations do tend to last a long time because I can always still get the latest stuff. Yeah. Um, so like the Bonobo and my workstation upstairs. I never, I never have needed to reload them. The only time I had to reload the Monobo was when my ButterFS experiment went awry, uh, and even then, like I, I mourned the loss of that installation. I, I literally mourned the loss. That I was like such a good install. Feels uh, like different computer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so know, the, the, sometimes the rolling distros. I mean, that's why I guess I get a little like defensive when people are like, uh, 
rolling is like essentially using testing or rolling is very unstable because my machines that actually last the longest yeah are the rolling machines and i think so, what it comes down to is what's your metric of stable is it a workstation you can so here's the here's why i don't really think it's fair to label them as uh, as as unstable i tell the computer when to update right that is yeah. an, it is an action that i initiate so if there is any fear of instability then don't do the update for whatever t- period of time you need st- it to be rock solid. And at the end of that period of time, then you do the update. That's one way to look at it, but also with rollbacks and snapshots now, it's a totally different ballgame. Anyways, so I, I think there's two different metrics of stability. There is application stability, and then there is like overall like long-term system stability. And that's where I feel like rolling is actually... It's more capable be, uh, of, of maintaining that stability because what rolling is better at is literally rolling with the punches. So when file system layout changes occur and system yeah. D changes occur and kernel changes occur, uh, it just becomes incorporated to the updating process instead right. of, well, this is the big version where we switch from this to this, so it's a huge migration. It's just, it's just so I never get to a point where I'm like, well, now this is probably the best point to reload this machine because this is a huge change. Yeah. I should probably replace this. No, it's just it just stays the same. You don't, I don't know if I like that, though, or not, because part of me is like, I wouldn't mind having a machine that just has the same software all the time, too, sometimes. So uh, I get, first of all, I actually like reloading my machine. I actually like, I, I feel like it's a different computer when yeah. I get done with it. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny. You know, I was, uh, this is another thing that occurred to me when I installed 16.4. You know what does that for me? The wallpaper. It's like, if it's a different wallpaper, I associate it as a different machine. That's like, funny. It's like a totally different machine. You know, for but, me, it's having a clean home, clean, it's definitely, it's wallpaper and cleaning up my home directory because my home directory sprawl. Downloads folder. Yeah. And then do you, ever, do, you, do you ever make a folder called pit? Yeah, then, I have like bin. It's I have like bin, oh. and I have temp, and I have uh, source uh, that I make. Eventually, I break it down even further. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it just drives me nuts. But anyway, so I, I I also enjoy, which is why it kills me when people are like, "Yeah, I never, I always, I always keep my home partition on a separate thing because I never ever want to touch that." I'm like, man, that would kill me after a couple months. But well, some people are but, super, you know, yeah, immaculate about their. Every time I install an app, it creates a. Anyway, the the uh, the, the the thing that I have noticed though is that my rolling installation. Like my original, the first time I ever installed Arch is still installed on that on that 420, and you know why? Because it was so much freaking work to get it to where it is now. I am petrified, absolutely <laughs> petrified, of having to do it over again and try to fi- figure out how I did whatever it was I did to make it work the way it works now. It's like magic, and so consequently, when I run into problems, even like huge problems, I just bang at them until I fix them because. I don't want to have to reload the machine, whereas with the, with the, the stakes with the, are high. Yeah, I'm just like, well, I'll just stick the USB key in, in 10 minutes, I'll have a new <laughs> installing. That's funny. That's yeah. actually how I feel about Ubuntu. It's oh, like, really? I, I, will, I, will, I will sit there and try to fix it before I reload because it's like, oh, God, once I reload this thing, it's going to go back to defaults. Oh, God. Yeah. And it's not even like, I don't know. It's like it's small things like uh, I like to have transparency in my panels. It's like really small yeah. little things. That, yeah. Know, it's stupid. Uh, and I also, uh, speaking of having like a, a lot of little files on your computer and, and stuff like that, I also feel like uh, cleaning up my home drive from time to time is a good thing because like my That's browser great. seemed to run better. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, like Noah. Every, every app you install creates a, a little, you know, doohickey and then has has files. And then certain applications, this really pisses me off when they they dump like log files and config files and like right in the of, of your home directory. Right home directory and they yeah. can't put a period in front of that crap yeah. so i have to forget it and yeah. then i don't know if i can delete it or not because yeah. it looks very important when it says like system essential dot file dot cfg and i'm like 
Jeez, that was- you know, it seems like a small thing, but you know what messed up my home directory a little bit is the fact that GNOME 3 just looks at your the root of your pictures folder for backgrounds, and it's like, oh, you want subfolders? Go screw yourself. So now that means I have to be, like, really particular about what pictures are in my pictures folder because they'll otherwise they're available as backgrounds, and so then I have, like, a whole new file structure now in my pictures folder to accommodate one desktop environment. Yeah. Because, you know, it'd be complicated so to let me choose where I... I could probably go in GCOM for something, but it's annoying.